Welcome to 1983. Welcome to the final cut of uh, Pink Floyd, episode 12. We are bringing you to uh, what many consider to be um, a very dark, probably the darkest and most, uh, um, you know, either misunderstood or difficult or, you know, Con- um, non-conventional Pink Floyd albums. Uh, so this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a good one. Can't wait to hear what you think of what we think because this is a show of opinions and we are on our 12th one of Pink Floyd and it's been a lot of fun so far. So glad of uh, you to join us for the final cut, uh, especially considering that uh, the wall is such a titan and this is a, uh, an overlooked bridge, I think, between uh, Roger leaving the band. Uh, Richard Wright has already left the band. So um, yeah, Pink Floyd as we know it is, is uh, about to change. Uh, but uh, I'd also like to uh, introduce our special guest for tonight's show. Uh, we had so much fun with Mr. Kevin Kiley, so much fun with our dad uh, on previous Pink Floyd shows, and I am really looking forward to this one. I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Scott Goldberg uh, on the show. He is a filmmaker. He is an author. Uh, his latest book just came out, uh, Amazon Prime, called uh, I Am Rico, I Am Lee. Great book. Uh, I, I got it uh, in the mail a couple of uh, about a week ago and I thought I would just read a chapter of it before bed ended up uh, staying up till like 1 30 in the morning so uh, definitely worth your time but why he's here he is also uh, the lead singer and I believe founder right of a, uh, a band Correct, yes. um, a Long Island based Pink Floyd cover band that has been around for 11 or 12 years now um, and uh, they're called yeah. Us and Floyd and uh, he's the Roger in the band, and so this being this being a Roger album, and uh, you know this being this would be a good opportunity, I think, uh, Scott. And welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. And uh, uh, would you like to say about uh, the final cut? Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Um, so you know, the final cut. I first heard it off of Echoes, uh, the compilation album. So I heard Fletcher Memorial Home, and that was my first introduction to the final cut. Um, so that's why I first heard it, and then I got more into it. And I came into Pink Floyd, you know, um, being familiar with the sounds, because being a fan of the horror films of the 80s, you know, they have, like, you know, the sounds from, like, Momentary Lapse of Reason and Mm -hmm. the Wall of Prophets synths and all the different types of synthesizers. So that kind of introduced me to the whole uh, aspect of at least the 80s Pink Floyd, which is what the final cut is connected to as well. So, yes, I'm pretty excited to be on the show and thank you so much for having me uh, today to join you guys so. sure sounds great yeah and this is an interesting album uh in that i mean it's the first one uh without richard wright and so studio musicians were brought in to cover in a way and and uh you know uh, who was fired and who was let go i mean um <laughs> i don't think you'll ever get a straight answer on that one but uh, we'll leave the band drama aside and get to the music because it certainly is of an era and tonight i am first for my opening thoughts um I definitely, um, you know, do not think this album is the worst Pink Floyd album. I know there are people that hate this album. 
people that say this is not Pink Floyd, this is a Roger solo album. Um, I mean, like, did you hear David play on it? Because there are some really, really memorable David solos here. Uh, and I think that if you skipped over it, you'd miss it. Honestly, you know, possibly my favorite Dave solo of all time uh, is on here. So that's something that's definitely worth at least giving it a listen. Um, I mean, I it, it, it's, it, it really dates itself a ton. Like, you know, maybe he didn't have to make such a pointed... Um, um, album like to where he's like literally well we'll get to it in the track by track but I feel like in some ways like it is just like almost feels like the height of cold war like war games <laughs> like 1983 mm-hmm. and in some ways it almost feels like uh, you know it, it's of an era and you could take it or leave it I guess but it uh, has um, it, it dates it a little bit more than I think it should because the concept is timeless um, so that would be probably the more disappointing thing to me. Um, and the band, I mean, you know, it, it lacks a lot of the collaborative spark that made some of the other albums so incredibly good. But, you know, there's also some a lot of interesting material here anyway. So I can't really, um, you know, can't really deny that or, or take it down for any, um, you know, it's a Pink Floyd album. It starts where it begins. It's a concept album. It's driven by Rogers. So it still is very much a Pink Floyd album. And you know what? I will say that I like this album better than The Wall. Um, I, that might be controversial. Uh, I know The Wall sold a lot more. Singles on The Wall don't really do a whole lot for me. And this is more of a The Wall, you know, B-sides or reject ideas without the singles. So I guess that makes sense. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely uh, more in touch with this album than I am The Wall. Maybe it's just the lack of bloat um, on The Wall or the, the bloat on the wall that takes it down for me, and this is a shorter album. So with that, I will start off with a 6.5 out of 10. That'll be my score. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about going first because I don't know if everybody's going to just like give it, it's going to be throwing twos there at me or, or what, but uh, this might be a fun one. So I'm going to start out optimistically with a nice strong 6.5, maybe even a 7, um, but uh, definitely I like this better than the wall. Yeah, I am nervous about going second actually because i have this this feeling that everybody's gonna love this and rate it highly uh i am not Uh, i'm just gonna get that out of the way i have this and it's not like i hate this i i I do not despise it i'm not gonna give it lower than uh piper i'm not gonna do that to it it's it's not that bad um but i just get this picture you know in my head of like a college coffee shop and you know you're just sitting there trying to work on your biology homework and Roger is in the corner with a acoustic guitar just singing away yeah and you're just like occasionally you're like oh that's kind of interesting and then occasionally he's shouting to the, the mic and you're just like dude i just want to work on my homework just just please and you realize he's getting too into it sometimes and it's uh, okay you know that that that's all right i'll go someplace else where i can concentrate but uh <laughs> mostly i find this boring um but at the same time, it's just tough because I did look over the lyrics and the concept. And, you know, there are some fine lyrical moments here from Roger, too. And I just I can't get this image out of my head of Roger crooning. And the more I think about it, the more I hate it. And the more I listen to his vocal delivery, the more I hate it. And if I hear him say his tease really hard again, I'm going to go nuts <laughs> yes. because everything is the final cut. That, that wasn't you know, just me. Okay. 
Well, I, 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 I called I'm it just like I can't, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so. I call it his spoken prose, and I'm 100 percent on board that that just gets old. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about doing the uh, the opening statement in a, in a Roger way. You know, here we are enjoying the final cut. You know, <laughs> but, you could. But, uh, <laughs> you absolutely could. Oh God, I can't wait. I, I'm to gonna. Yeah, I'm going to give this a four, and I don't know which way it's going to go, up or down, but I, I just, uh, it, it's just yeah. dull to me. It's just, that, that's kind of, that's the kind of the where, where I'm left at, that there are moments of brilliance, but they end up being too far and few between. There are moments where I'm like, oh, yes, but for the most part, it's like I'm watched, like looking at my watch waiting for those to happen, so that's where I'm at. Okay. Alex, you're gonna have to tell me who's next because I've lost the thread uh, of that. I actually believe that I am next, and which is perfect, actually. I am so glad that Mark and Kevin went first because believe it or not, I'm actually gonna slot right in the middle of you two guys on my opinion. Uh at first, uh I'll admit I was cheating a little bit and was talking to Kevin a little earlier during the week, kinda about my thoughts on the album. And Kevin might be a little surprised hearing me say this because I think initially I wasn't speaking too highly of it. And again, this is another album that I literally had no experience with at all prior to this last uh, you know week's listen. And what I did uh, this time around is I, like I mentioned in this last episode or the wall, I pulled up genius.com and I went and I read every lyric to every song and the meaning, and then I played the song. Because I figured it's probably more of a lyrical album than it is musically. So I really want to kind of get the uh, the lyrical content of the album. And I guess my uh, sort of statement, and, and a lot of people are saying the same thing, but I said it's a solid Roger Waters solo album to me. Uh, I said musically uh, a little bit more boring than exciting, but uh, it's really strong lyrically. Uh, and I really appreciate the effort and the research Raj, uh, you know, put in to a lot of his lyrics. Um, I'll have to agree that there is definitely some of the quieter, softer, more, more more folky narrative spoken word vocal style from Roger does get a little old at times. But there's some songs where I think it works really well. And I'll go into that during the track by track where you really feel like you're sitting in a room with him. And it's very honest and earnest and from the heart. And I appreciate that. Um, there are some a couple songs here and there that you could tell that the band is collaborating. And then there's times where I feel like David was literally just hired to come in and solo and then he left the studio. <laughs> so, yeah, lyrically, I think it's great. I feel like there's maybe a few songs on here uh, that kind of talk about the same topic a little too much. And I don't know if that's sort of, you know, trying to fill a 12 song album but I think overall, uh, I'm going to give it a six, and I don't know if I'll go higher or lower. I don't know how much I'll go back and revisit on this, but I guess listening to it all the way through and trying to like, you know, judge it top to bottom sequence, I think it's it's strong and it makes sense. So that's where I'll stand. Okay. Yeah, I know, Scott, you're next, um, and then Chris, you're last. Uh, Scott, are you going to school us on this one? Not happy with our score so far? Where are you at? No, no, no. No, I, I, well, I, I give it, all right, <laughs> before I preface what I'm going to give it, you know, look, I've I, I been a big Pink Floyd fan for a long time, uh, you know, and I really do love the, the music. Uh, I came in on the, fi- the, fi- the, the final cut through, you know, like I said, Echoes. So for me, 
Um, I heard Fletcher Moore at home. That's how I first got into it. Um, listening to your, you know, everyone's opinions on it and seeing that there's a lower score, I was considering lowering mine, but I'd say I give it a 10 out of 10. And here's why. Because <laughs> I think that Roger had a vision and he stuck with it. And this is his baby. So in a sense, I have to respect his want and need to tell his this story. With that said, there is uh, knowledge that Gilmore wasn't a huge part of it other than coming in to do uh, parts. Rick Wright had no uh, involvement, I believe. Terrible tensions between Roger and David were at all-time high. So this is the downfall of Pink Floyd. Uh, I think a little earlier, too, like with Animals, Roger started you know, kind of becoming very uh, dictatorial about it. But um, we all know that David went on to you know, take the Pink Floyd name, and Roger tried to sue them, but to no avail. They did Momentary Last of Reason and also Division Bell, so... Uh, I do love those albums as well. So musically, I really love this album. It's a personal album for Roger. I also like to sing the songs with my Pink Floyd band, and they like to do the hits. So I kind of am one of those, you know, really troll fans. Like in Day of the Dead, from you know, the Day of the Dead, the horror film. There's George Romero always said, "There's the trolls that love Day of the Dead." I feel like this is a very similar album where you have to really be a, a diehard Pink Floyd fan to, to to like it. Now, again, I came in. After everything was already done, I didn't have any preconceived notion of like, you know, obviously you have the earlier albums and then there are people who like that. There are people who like, you know, the uh, David Gilmore and Roger Waters stuff. Then people who like, uh, you know, just the David Gilmore albums with the last two albums uh, and aside from the cut from The Endless River. So that aspect for me is like I came in hearing it all at once. So I loved everything of Pink Floyd. So that's why I'd give it a 10 out of 10 because I fell in love with it because I I fell in love with Pink Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. So now I do agree with Mark. It's very B-side. You know, there's a lot of rejects from the wall in this album as well. Um, not now. John doesn't feel like it belongs, in my opinion. But I did pick a song later that we'll talk about that I that I feel we should that w- would not have just should be cut in general. So that's kind of my thoughts on. It. I give it a ten out of ten only because I came into Pink Floyd loving everything all at once. So that's why I really enjoy enjoy the album. Sure, and that just reinforces our perspective. Uh, and why we do these podcasts is like we did not we none of us were around when these albums came out um i mean i think the only pink floyd album no i mean i guess i, w- I was i would have been born when um uh uh, uh division, division bell, bell came out yeah uh, but you know that we don't have any preconceived nostalgic biases towards mm-hmm. any of these albums so i think it gives us an interesting perspective on this music considering that like scott said we can absorb it all at once and so therefore you know we don't have to wait two years or we haven't changed like we can just consume the whole thing so obviously a very personal 10 out of 10 from you then uh appreciating yes. everything <laughs> and sure. uh, n- and knowing the songs probably better than any of us considering that you've performed them live so that's right. uh, always a good credit so chris uh where are you going to fit in between we've got we got a four on the low side we got a 10 <laughs> on the high side we got a couple yeah, of sixes not, chris yeah, uh, don't tell me you're giving it a two are you no i'm not gonna i'm gonna be on the higher end of the spectrum though there are a number of I issues it. i have with uh, yeah. there are there are a number of issues i do have that i think are legit uh i want to start out by uh echoing um maybe you guys saw this interview with uh uh with david gilmore uh yeah where he emphasized that he didn't have a problem with the concept that he actually did respect roger wanting to go in that direction but his biggest problem was a lot of the music and the musical structures were very uninspired or not up to what their quality kind of asked for and i think that's kind of true i mean there's a lot of kind of kind of lazy there's a lot of lounging on here and there's a lot of ballads a lot of and sometimes i mean there were there were moments where i 
I was trying to figure out where I where I was. Like where a lot of the songs just very have a very similar feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will kind of uh, kind of go with what Mark was saying though. There are uh, I guess you could say I like the fact kind of like animals. I mean, there is no hit singles here, so you kind of focus more on the whole piece, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think leads it to maybe a little bit higher. Uh, yeah, because again, there were, this was actually kind of a cool record. I like what he. I like how kind of militant he is there whether or not you agree with what he's saying i just love i've always liked roger's biting kind of social commentary and here it's in full display i mean yeah there's uh yeah hell i mean even the yeah uh, you got a song in here where it's just all like parental advisory kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which i well. which i thought was really really kind of funny that made me laugh but uh which is weird, Chris, because usually you write an album hoping to make some singles and get a hit. <laughs> like usually you don't write an album saying, "Well, let's just write a bunch of stuff and hope it all comes together in a good concept." And- yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Roger was kind of in his own. Like yeah, he was stirring the ship. He was going to do what he wants to do. This is, yeah, I think yeah, Scott kind of alluded to. This is a passion project for Roger. He's not thinking about what any what else is going on in the world musically. It's like this is his personal whatever you want to call it and and he's going to present it in the way that he wants to and uh aside from the music being a little uninspired i think he kind of succeeded a little bit uh uh and it was funny uh, i I was reading a few reviews on this and there was uh, one woman who kind of pointed out that yeah as far as a lead instrument on here really is roger's voice uh because yeah the music you don't really think about on here this is the like the definition of a lyrical record yeah Mm -hmm. where the music is just kind of there to move the story uh, whether that's good all the time, I mean, is up for debate. Uh, like I said, there are certain issues which I'll we'll cover in the track by track. Uh, and also, there was one thing that kind of popped. Just it was funny. I was going to use this as one of the questions, but it was just because it takes up such an important part of the record. Um, uh, as far as that, this is almost like a spinoff from the wall uh, with the teacher being the soldier, mm-hmm. technically, which I thought was interesting. I was trying to get around it. I'm like, no, you. We need to talk about this before, and I can't just omit this in the, the uh, discussion. So. Uh, that was kind of interesting. And again, you could say, like, was that a good thing? Do we, did we need a spinoff from, yeah, that... Uh, at first, I'm like, is it just... Is Roger just squeezing the... Yeah, just kind of beating a dead horse by just resurrecting more material? Was was the te- was the spinoff of the teacher just the... Again, was that just stuff that should have been rejected? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's up for interpretation. Again, this is a very divisive record. Uh, uh, but just as far as just reading up on it, I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of giving the teacher a little bit more personality instead of just him being in the wall, just, yeah, this kind of overbearing, like, jerk. And then, I guess, in the story here on the final cut, you show that he's kind of a guy who went through hell, and that's what kind of formed his his attitude. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. So there's a lot what does here. it ring up for you? Uh, I think I'm going to stick at a 7. Um, I did start out with a 7.5, but I think I'm going to, yeah, for... After listening to it for the, more for the music, I'm going to drop it a little bit because yeah, the music didn't connect with me like it did on previous records. Even The sure. Animals is a, an example as far as deep cut, kind of no hits album. I thought yeah. Animals was better. And I, I will pick up on that point too regarding the entire album and the sounds of the album. I mean, it's kind of disappointing in a way that we have a 1983 album from Pink Floyd, but we don't get to experience what 1983 might sound like for Pink Floyd. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. Where, yeah. yeah, I mean, to, it's just like, what would they do with the instrumentation of 83? I mean, I was listening to, um, uh, Kevin got me Asia's uh, debut record, which is 82. I was listening to that. He gave it to me on vinyl. I was listening to it today. And it's just like, it's so 82. And I love the synths and it's, it's dated, but I mean, the guitar right. sounds and everything about it, the drums and the, you know, um, the vocals, it's just so 80s. I would have loved to hear Pink Floyd 83 
just like that's, what that would have sounded like. That's really interesting you say that, Mark. And I was kind of talking about that with Wish You Were Here on the Wall, how a lot of the sounds, especially, you know, with the synths and a lot of the clean delay guitar uh, sounded kind of futuristic in 80s before we even reached that decade. And it seemed like they were kind of spearheading that sound almost. And then when you finally get the first actual 80s Pink Floyd record, <laughs> I kind of see what Kevin means, where you feel like it can almost be a lot of it just roger unplugged like more yeah. of like a solo folk album i mean there's definitely they some forgot s- what the words rock and roll were well there, <laughs> there, there's definitely some sounds here and there synth sounds and stuff and i think there was one section on the album that they explored a synth sound that i hadn't heard them do prior but it, it is interesting that it's like all right they're they're right at that peak and then he goes and like he said he's not trying to write a single it, it's almost like he's not really trying to be commercially successful He's just trying to put out an album that pleases him. And I guess into Scott's point, mm-hmm. that's cool because he did stick with his guns. So that's why I almost think I, I agree with the arguments on it being a solo album. And I do wonder how supportive the other guys in the band were. Uh, Chris, I know you said that David said he actually didn't hate the concept that much. I feel like I heard an interview that said otherwise. But I, I guess just from my perspective, I just hope he didn't take everybody down with him. <laughs> It's kind of, I, I get it. it's kind of get, what I'm saying. Like, like he should have known I, I have, to make this a solo album if it was such a pride and joy and he wanted to do it his way. I just hope that he didn't take everybody down with him and hurt other people out, but I don't know if he I did. Think, I, I, think, I, 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 I got to jump in here real quick, yeah, go ahead. Chris. Um, yeah. with, with the exception of you, Scott, because you weren't on the last album, but Mark, Alex, and Chris, all you talking about Roger sticking to his guns and sticking to his visions. Scott, that's your opinion. That's, you know, I totally respect that. But uh, on the wall, the three of you, uh, you know, we were flushing songs at a time because they were boring and, well, they fit the vision of the album. So why mm. is it, oh, music is boring here, but the vision is great, so they're good. Well, why is pink- it all... These, my problem my with the wall was that the four songs at the end should have really never been there because "Run Like Hell" was just a was brilliant credits music, and know, "In the Flesh" was just vision. such a great closer. So I, I, I just I just but think he stuck we, to his guns, filled out twenty six tracks that we. But had he to keeps shooting. Like, put your guns away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at least to me, reading the lyrics more along this, it seemed more like. It seemed more connected, I guess, yeah, Roger, than Roger the wall did. Fun. Like yeah, he was really just talking about like a post-war concept album, and I literally was reading the lyrics, and I felt like I was watching like Band of Brothers or something, yeah. like some kind of History Channel war series. And while like I don't know if I really want that so much from Pink Floyd, it just seemed a little bit more connected. Whereas right. in the Wall, there was definitely some songs where it, you know, you get some songs where it's like very single territory, and this it's it. At least he's not trying to do like ninety percent like this war concept album. Then he's thrown in these singles. He like really just went for it, and he's like, "Right, screw the singles. I'm just gonna do what I want." At least that's, I guess, that's my rebuttal. No, I, I, I get that. I mean, on the wall, I mean, there were certain points where you kind of get lost, where you're like, "Okay, where are we in the in the concept? Yeah, yeah. what's yeah, what's going on?" Especially yeah, by yeah. the hour ten mark or whatever, you're just kind of. Anybody who listened to the last show should have gotten a good yuck out of that last like twenty thirty <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I know. You know, a lot of checking I, I'll out be there. The dissenting opinion. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, um, but no, I'll, I'll I, enjoy I, this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for my yeah, distance. I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, and again, Pink Floyd is a hard because again, they they were a band that kind of they're in their own category, I guess you could say, as far as how they, well, I guess, how Roger kind of drove it. Yeah, they 
you, know, you can't compare it to even other giants of the era like a Fleetwood Mac or uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, there's they're very much yeah, kind of more on the cerebral side, which sure. which Scott. hurt which yeah, which unfortunately hurt the music sometimes because again, you're just focusing on the and you always are looking for that balance of yeah. music and uh, and concept. Scott, I know you're a big fan, and we'll just close off with this one statement before we get to the track by track. But um, you're a big fan of Roger's solo stuff. Um, yes. If you consider this album a Roger solo album, where does this album rank for you among the Roger, the three Roger solo albums? Radio Chaos, I like more than this. Um, I like Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking more than this. I would say as well, um, and I'd say Amuse to Death. I think those are the true solo albums, and I think he was trying to do something under the Pink Floyd name that. Because of that, it kind of tarnished it, I guess. So even though I give it a 10 out of 10, I, I do love those other albums because I feel like Roger did, if you're talking about like a Pink Floyd album in the 80s, Roger wasn't Pink Floyd, but Radio Chaos was very 80s. You know, yeah, it had very. all those sounds of, of, you know, of the 80s. So in that essence, and Amused to Death is like much more subdued, um, mm -hmm. I feel, especially on a lot of tracks, which I really like because I think that's where he, he works his best. Um, like, um, like a, it's a miracle, you know, like the the long intro and like the sound. So so I, so I I really like those albums a lot. So I would say I like those albums more so than this. But as far as a Pink Floyd album, I like I, you know, it's because I heard it from that compilation, that song Fletcher Memorial Home, where I said this is why I really love it as a Pink Floyd album. But as sure. far as his solo stuff, pros and cons of Hitchhiker would probably be my favorite. I would say. Yeah, and uh, on our last show, there was a song that both Alex and I connected with so much, really having not heard before, uh, Goodbye Blue Sky from The Wall. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that one? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I had, yeah, I mean, I had never really heard that song before, um, you know, or really paid attention to it. And I would just think this is the most incredible song I've discovered doing this Agreed. show. And Same. it reminded me so strongly of Loss of Hope, <laughs> your film that we worked okay. on many years ago, just with the way that, they, right. you know, that the bombs are falling and yeah. you know, like goodbye blue sky like it's so nostalgic right. and so like and, yeah, and i don't know if like that had been any inspiration to you or, or not or if you were even in pink floyd when you wrote that that film or not but uh was i uh yeah no yeah i mean i'm sure like when i watch american movie for example uh mike shank always says because mark borchardt i don't know if you guys see american movie he says you know hey mike i think mike shank was saying some of the effect of Hey, uh, you know, this is the song I, I, I like, or I'm, I'm, I'm making up. He's like, dude, that sounds exactly like that song. He said, well, you know what, Mark, it comes from, you know, every song isn't your own thought. It comes from something else. So, you know, I'm sure there was, because mm -hmm. uh, I did like the music back then, so I'm sure there is some sort of connection to a degree for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, uh, let's move on. Let's see what we find in the final cut. Kevin, take the track by track and crank it up. The yards would still be open on the climb And it can't be much fun for them Beneath the rising sun With all their kids committing suicide What have we done? Maggie, what have we done? What have we done to England?
Kevin, why don't you leave that going? That guitar line is so good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the vibrato off David. I don't remember him being such a (laughs) vibrato player before this, but he's very uh, very lyrical in his lines with this. Um, You know, the one thing that, again, this is going to just reinforce my point that I would have loved to hear a 1983 version of this. Like, screw the horns, Mm. get the strings out of my face, just get me like a Prophet 5 and a pad sound. (laughs) And I would have loved to hear this song in that format. And I know it would have dated it, but maybe just because I love that sound so much and I love that music so much that, you know, everyone else would have been like, well, that's cheesy. That would sound like 83, but that's good to me. So maybe it's just my bias. It's but, too bad I they mean, fired Rick Wright, so they, that, that couldn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Rick Wright, so, like, I'm definitely <laughs> agreeing there. But you know what I mean? Like, that, all that, that, that the, the whole, the, the music would have just been perfect for just, like, a very pad 80s synth, uh, and they just did an orchestra instead, and it just kind of gives it a much more, I hate to say wuss, because it's not, but, like, it just feels more 60s, where you might feel like it's more of Beatles or, mm-hmm. you know, something where it's like string arrangements all over the place um, that gives it less of a 1983 sound. Um, and I am also not sure about calling Margaret Thatcher Maggie. <laughs> I don't know. That's a little cringy to me. I, I, like I've, and, and this kind of opens up a debate too. like, would he have been better off um, doing some kind of allegory and saying, um, you know, not using, you know, uh, I think he didn't call about Gorbachev. Who was the premier? Um, Khrushchev, or who is Brez, that? Brezhnev, Brezhnev. Brezhnev. Yeah, yeah. Like, he literally calls these the people end, out by right? names, yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking, like, would it have been better had he not just said, you know, Maggie? <laughs> like, it would, it would, if he would have made a story that stood for this, rather than just calling it Maggie, because it's like, would you call Ronald Reagan Ronnie? Like, no. Like, would you call maybe, Bill Clinton Billy? Like, it just, like, it, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't there, and that's what people called her right. back then, but... Who knows? Or maybe it could be him just kind of slighting her, because I know he was not, well, a lot of uh, especially in the music scene that back then, whether it will even punk rock in particular, we're not Margaret Thatcher fans you know, just because mm-hmm. of. No, I'm, right. yeah, that's yeah. fine, but it just. Yeah. Like, uh, but you can say maybe he was better. just throwing slight, like, I don't take you as. I, I don't respect you enough to call you by or Miss Thatcher or. Yeah. yeah it's or, like the music yeah. should have been more 80s and the concept should have been more that timeless. I agree, yeah. So it's kind yeah. of weird. Like it's, it's and, working on both ways for right. me. And that goes back to Kevin's uh, kind of point as far as, yeah, uh, Roger taking too much of the. Of, control and not right. kind of letting the kind of the music maybe evolve a little bit better uh, yeah because you're right yeah the horns on here yeah that's one thing that kind of again we're probably even more so than on the wall where you feel like you're watching or even what you said alex so you feel like you're watching like a uh, like a history special or just like or some historical production <laughs> oh yeah, i totally hear it on yeah, this where it's like okay there's there's no singles here because this isn't the kind of music you'd hear on like top 40 but uh yeah, I don't know. And, like, and, it, it is and, what it is. And, yeah. and, and I was thinking about this during the break to kind of uh, digest Kevin's thought a little bit more, how he challenged us with, you know, well, you guys didn't really care for the concept on the wall, but all of a sudden it's good here. And I think the reason for that for me personally is because I guess musically, I'm not really a huge fan of this album. <laughs> Music, yeah. musically. So then I think to myself, okay, well, I'm going to approach it a different way then, and I'm going to try to find some strengths in it a different way. And I think that's where the where the lyrics come in. Is like I can appreciate it lyrically, musically. I do like a lot of David solos, like Mark mentioned. But at least with the wall, it's like I go in there and I'm listening to Run Like Hell in the Flesh. Hey, you comfortably numb, and then a song like Bring the Boys 
back home come in and it's like it's <laughs> it's obvious that you're going to be a little upset hearing that <laughs> and then at least because there's so many strong songs and it's like i come to the wall and i hear all these hits and i'm like i don't want to hear this short little i don't want to hear stop i don't want to hear Vera. For- <laughs> but but at least here everything i feel like musically is kind of on the same level and right. i it's like, okay, that's why I can be like, all right, well, I don't really care for any of the music on this album that much. I mean, I like a lot of Michael Kamen's work, to be honest, but at least I can approach it more for like a lyric thing, I guess. But we've been talking for 11 albums about how if it doesn't connect musically and we're not going deep enough with the lyrics and all this other stuff and Dad saying he just throws it on and, you know, he's just <laughs> wanting to out. learn the music <laughs> and then like, oh, yeah, okay, that's a great point. And suddenly we're all lyrics fans. Where did this come from? Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Scott, Chris is the lyrics guy, so that's I mean, why. Yeah, here, I mean, yeah, the more Roger took over, the more it kind of, yeah, the story kind of took over. And again, it's not everybody's taste. I'm not def- totally, completely de- defending what he was doing here, because again, a lot of it is very dense. A lot of it, yeah, the music is kind of... It's almost like yeah, like documentary music. You're kind of sitting there listening to the it's story. It's very unfold. documentary music. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah. the word I was. That, that just popped into my head. Okay, I was That's trying to find I the right word. For a while. Yeah, uh, I know some people don't want that. I can see my friend in the lower right hand corner of my screen is not. <laughs> <laughs> but is not how can accept you deny any when those guitars kick in? I know it's very well, queen like, but that's, it's so that, good it, because yeah, was, it's for twenty seconds. And it's that's the problem I mean, that's, with this whole. <laughs> darn album is i have I to agree. sit through 10 minutes of crooning to get 10 seconds of david gilmore and then he leaves go gets five coffees you know takes a trip to france he comes back to the studio yeah, to do a 30 yeah. second I, solo and then we're driving done. his ferrari on I, the south coast while roger's right, I, just working away true. i thought that was kind of funny reading up where yeah where dave got to the point of just like yeah where he kind of told roger okay just call me when you need a guitar solo I'm out of here. Well, that that's <laughs> it, that is what it sounds like to me. Uh, at least coming mm-hmm. at it from a first, uh, you know, a first time listener. And Scott, I, I guess you should also know I've never listened to a single Roger Waters solo album in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> take that into consideration right. with some of my opinions. But, I know, of course. But but, but I'll be I'll real real quick on my notes because I actually took a lot of notes and prep with this. Um, I was reading kind of on Genius.com. Somebody had asked. Uh, They're like, well, we, we found it interesting that Roger said what have we done to England? And somebody asked the question, like, is Roger finally looking inward here and finally kind of (laughs) seeing maybe he's part of the problem here? I don't know. But I would say (laughs) I I, I enjoy some of the sound clips at the beginning because it kind of uh, sets the tone of the record and lets you know what's going to happen. I will say at times, musically, it sounds a little too churchy, a little almost too Christmassy to me. Mm -hmm. And it is a little documentary there, but... Uh, I, I would say towards the end, when it kicks in, it gets good. But I think, uh, to back up Kevin, too, there's moments where it'll kick in and it'll sound like, all right, all of Pink Floyd is in on this. And it sounds like it's going to be a Pink Floyd rocker. And it only lasts like <laughs> t- 20, 30 <laughs> seconds. And it's back to a slow thing. And it's like, gives you right. like blue balls or something. I just <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> you know? Scott, how you got any thoughts on this one? Musically, I think like... Um so musically, I think like the build-up for me is great. It starts slow and then it builds up into like the drums. You know, the, vo- the energy, the vocals kicks in with the drums. It's a nice sway back and forth when the drums kick in, and you like you said with the sound of the guitar. So for me, I feel like it's a good start because he's kind of leading us in. But like I agree, like with the points of like yeah, it feels like, and and I think Roger wanted that way. He didn't want people to take the limelight. He wanted the limelight. So he said, you know, you know what. Gilmer's gonna come and do a solo, and this is my way or the highway, and that's how we're doing it. So it, it's it, that's then that's what it feels like. 
Sure. 100%. Right. Yeah, and sure. it was never his style to kick the door down with an opener and, and just, you know, come yeah. in blasting. Like, he was going to ease <laughs> you into it. Like, he was going right. to just gently guide you. You know, yeah. I, I can see kind of like, you know, if Alex is going to use the blue balls analogy, like it's almost kind of like foreplay <laughs> for, you know, some of the darker <laughs> concepts that he's going to talk about. No, I'm serious because it's like, you know, this is a po- I, I love how it starts out with the post-war dream because it is a, um, you know, it's almost like after it's a reflective, a reflective album. You know, it's not, um, you know, the dream concept is used a number of times and it just like it, how it comes to like it doesn't start the story at the beginning. And I appreciate that. At least I appreciate that type of storytelling. All right. Yep. Let's move on to track two, which is your possible pasts. you played that section uh kev because i was actually going to comment on that i will say uh this song and maybe it's obvious but it's definitely more engaging and pleasing to me musically than track one and i know that uh we discussed that a lot of the songs on this album are kind of rejects or b-side ideas from the wall but honestly this song especially that do you remember in the in the sort of repeating closer sounds very animals to me like i feel like musically this song could have fit mm-hmm. on this album uh mm-hmm. I, I don't is it dogs that maybe it's the one that reminds me of i'd have to go back but some of the chords and stuff uh remind me very yeah. much of animals here um and again another i guess song kind of what, what is it him talking about uh unfortunately people being lined up and going on trains to be sent off to the holocaust i think is kind of the lyrical uh, idea of this song so i mean again it's kind of fitting that Mm-hmm. Whole war concept, I guess, but uh, yeah, uh, and also a, a great solo there uh, by Dave. So Incredible. when Dave when Dave does come in, mm-hmm. he kills it. But you're right; it's like, how much input did he have on everything else, or w- was he just brought in for the solo because Roger knew that he needed to fill that part because if he was going to do it all himself, he feared that would it be as good? So he's like, well, at least I got Dave to kind of come in and hold that part down because obviously everybody loves Dave and his solo. So as long as we have that part covered, I'll keep him on for that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a solid gold Dave solo. It really is. I mean, I love that little dive bomb. Kevin, can you cue that up again? 257. It's, it's so subtle, but just like hearing Dave play, like adapt more and more of the 80s style is so cool. There's definitely emotion and anger in it, too. I don't know if that was just because it literally almost jumps out of the speaker. I mean, even almost as much as uh, Roger's vocals on here when he goes into the um, yeah, into yeah, into the uh, in, uh, when he starts singing. And it's mm-hmm. also kind of weird. I love I don't know what that is underneath. um 
and I think it was the part that Kevin played underneath uh, Roger's vocals, like this really weirdly heavy kind of, I don't know if it's some kind of like synthesizer or what, but I just, I don't know. It almost has like a metallic. Uh, yeah, Kev, if you could play it like 110, uh, just so I can point that out. I know you, I think you played it in your demo clip, but uh, I just wanted to point it out again. Here, you know that like that. Oh, that too. Yeah, I had that I lovely word. Was that was that a guitar underneath that really low kind of like brr kind of? What was that? There's a little synth note going on there. Real it is deep. okay. That was. Yeah. I, I I don't know why I really thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. When the moments pop up on here that are good, I mean they're good. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, but yeah, this is a guitar that's real or, or a song that's really dominated by <laughs> Dave's guitar. That's the kind of when you you feel like you're kind of slipping away and then all of a sudden Dave comes in and he pulls you right back in and it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's got a lot of cool, yeah, maybe one of the two or three songs, yeah, that Dave had mentioned in an interview as far as that were good. I can't remember if this is one of them, but uh, this is one of those, yeah, where I think they kind of, everything kind of came together. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Pink Floyd. Yeah, you know, Go ahead, well, for me, it's personal because we do this song with the band. So as soon as that kicks in with the guitar, feeling that on stage, yeah. like, you know, like that, that Gilmore soul is about to come in. It gets into your body. Like when you're live and you're playing the music and you have all, you know, all the instruments and the synth and everything, keys and everything and the drums and guitar and bass. It's just it's just it, the feeling you get when that comes in and you're performing it live is really awesome. So um, Roger Waters' vocals I like on, like, Do You Remember Me? I feel like there's this really cool, and in a lot of the songs is very similar. He it feels like he's, maybe it's not so much this song, there's other songs in the album like where he sounds like he's maybe five, ten feet away, yeah. but you still... This one has like a lot of like reverb and and, and whatnot. Um, the Gilmore solo on this is great too. Like I said, uh, it's raw. It has some interesting moments, like uh, like like Mark, you were saying, like dive bombing. Yeah. So I had wrote that as the notes as well, like movements up and down the neck of the guitar. Um, and with Alex, I agree. Some parts of the solo does sound it's like it's on animals. Um, I forget what song. It might was it pigs? Maybe it was three pigs, different ones. Or was actually it, yeah, you might be right. Or, uh, yeah, like that really like high pitch like uh, you know note on the guitar when he like bends it up. You know, like that that kind of stuff. And you know, so yeah, so I, that, that's what I really like about about the song are those elements for sure. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, we're gonna move on to one of the few. When you're one of the few to land on your feet do to make ends meet make them mad make them sad make them add to and to yeah i saw that kevin was he counting was he counting t i knew it right away <laughs> now that you point that out that's just gonna annoy me every time i hear it which is a shame because this track is so cinematic i mean it's so I, yeah. it's so aerial like it's so mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know i mean i i don't like that it's in the three spot 
um, mm-hmm. because it just feels like we've had a lot of this already. Um, like this would be more of a nice interlude, more in the back half of the album. Uh, but I mean, there's there's such strong uh, you know visuals that evoke from a song like this, Scott. Maybe you can mm-hmm. pick that up because that's what yeah. you do. <laughs> like, but I mean, yeah. it really is no. a, a, an evocative yeah. musical landscape. Yeah, I'm not in my head because when you said I agree, so like the clock in the beginning, the cars drive by, it feels like it's a soundtrack, the droning of it. So when there's that part, and I don't know the number of it specifically, but what we're just about to play that we stopped at, make him me or make him you, make him do what you want them to, there's like, it has a cool higher vocal. I'm not sure if it's a female vocal or someone else, but I really like that they add that in because it's like there's, he's building up and building up and building up to the end, then it kind of drops out before it goes into the other song. So you that's what I like about that. that up? I can cue that up. Sure, sure. Oh, make him me, oh, make him you. I feel like there's yeah, something there. What you want them to What's coming up? Make them laugh. Make them cry. Maybe it's the guitar. Make them lay down or die. I always felt there was like a vocal there. There is. I heard a female vocal, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's where it was. Yes, yeah. so I figured, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I like the song. Yeah, I what, what okay, I Alex. said for it, it, it's funny, I don't know, I, I know we've mentioned numerous video games in the past, like 90s games, but a lot of the music, I feel like I'm playing Age of Empires or something, building a, uh, a civilization, and some of that music's in the background. I will agree, it is very uh, cinematic. Uh, yeah, again, with the, the third spot, it's interesting, and the fact that it's shorter, uh I don't know. The lyrically uh, again, is this kind of what you were talking about, Chris? Where it's sort of tying into the schoolmaster from the yeah, wall? Because that's what I heard. Because this song is yes. kind of about well, what are what are war veterans going to do as soon as they come back Coming, from war? Right. Well, they're they're going to go teach, and then that's kind of where Roger comes in and starts sort of expressing his distaste for teachers. So. It's just a short little song, I guess, so it's hard for me to really, I guess, judge it at length because it seems so short. I feel like it starts and it ends before you know yeah, it. But musically, it's it's kind of cool. It, but yeah, it, the, the, the tease and stuff like that. Eventually, yeah. it, because, because this is the first instant of it, I can't, like if you're listening to this album for the first time, you'll hear that and it might be a little funny. So it, it doesn't really start to wane on me a little bit later in the album, but I, I feel like I can understand people's yeah. gripe with it. Yeah, this is, again, like what I said with The Wall, this is another dramatic device, but I think this is one of the better ones as far as moving the story along. Yeah, because I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the darkness or maybe it's just because it clearly kind of states uh, yeah, what it's talking about with, yeah, as far as, yeah, teacher coming back and like, okay, I, I went through all this. Okay, how am I going to project myself onto these yeah into the next generation or whatever you want to call it would this uh, have been so, a better opener than a three spot uh in this well no i i think it needs to be somewhere kind of in the middle because again he's coming back yeah from wherever oh. yeah it's it's not yeah i don't know if that would unless if you're i guess it depends on how you look at it uh because he could be unless if he's reflecting back uh like it starts uh uh out him kind of talk or he's teaching he's miserable he's dealing with these uh and then all of a sudden it jumps into okay why is he miserable okay then you kind of flash i don't know i guess it just depends on how you look at it uh mm-hmm. i guess you could do it either way all right well that was the brief interlude one of the few we're going to move on to the hero's return the demon, the positive 
sounds like an 80s kind of early 80s tune yeah yeah the song yeah this song yeah I, I actually saw him come up in a lot of the these articles that i read yeah that uh the roger may or may not have been taken f- from some of those early gabriel records which is great i wish he would have done it more on here but uh but yeah kev can you play the be- beginning of this song i just love this is probably one of the most unique things that they've done in a long time uh whether that was all roger yeah I'm sorry, to, I'm, so, I'm sorry to jump in, but I never heard this before until right now. Does that guitar line sound like the theme song to Friends? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't watch Friends. You know, I, the, I've never the, seen it in my life. Oh man, I'm yeah, gonna have so to no, play I know what you're talking later. about. No, I, I can't. No, I, I don't. I know what you're talking the re- about. The Rembrandts. Yeah. Oh I'll man, be I'll be there for you. Yeah, I heard that. Exactly. I've yeah. never, I've never, I never heard that before until I was anyway. liking this song. Yeah, if, if somebody wants no, to I do that up I, at some point, I, go ahead. I, I, I do like um, that. And uh, Chris, go ahead. I'll, I'll jump in after you. But yeah, I, I just thought that was really. I mean, that sounds like a okay. The, yeah, this is an early '80s synth rock. Yeah, I don't know. It just has a real, and even with the vocals and that, that, uh, that chord or whatever you right before he starts singing, it's got a very. I like those jazz chords, or if you want to call them jazz chords that they Seven use on chords. here, or yeah are really nice and kind of, again, you can say a warm blanket, I guess, on here. Uh, just very brief warm blanket moments. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I... pulled right off. <laughs> exactly, it's kind of like he throws over and then it's, and his, then over it's gone. His yeah. Yeah. I, I, should, I should emphasize, though, that the beginning part is really uh, kind of cool. And it has that weird kind of art rock, Peter Gabriel vibe to it. Oh, uh, which maybe great. that's why I liked it so much. And it just, I, again, it's just, it's deep. Too. I it really love kinda... the doubled vocals, that way, yeah. way bassy vocal. Mm-hmm. That tracks his I, line. That's so I, good. I, it's too yeah. bad. It, it's no. too bad. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Scott, did you do you know if he ever like later on ever played that song live, like in his live set? I mean, do you know? Uh, I don't think. I don't how think about, so. How about, no, how about you guys? Think... Have you guys included it no. at all? I, I don't. I just think that would be a great, a, a great kind of would open. I don't know. I guess a Roger Waters show. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I'll have to yeah. agree too. I mean, this was my. This is probably my favorite song musically so far up into this point. I, I think it's great, but that's where I almost can. And, and also, I realized too. I think this is the song. And looking at my notes, where he kind of ties back to the schoolmaster. But yeah, musically, I think it's great. But then I can almost feel for Kev where 
when it when it sucks back down and gets quiet there, it's like, ah, I, I wanted this part to keep going. It was just about to rock out and it was it was building up so well. The blanket well. has been pulled. The blanket was pulled and then all of a sudden, boom, it here. sucks down. And it, I, I get it, it's cool, but like just part of me like wanting a little bit more at this point of the album. More I want juice. A, a, more juice. Yeah. It was getting there. And then it's like this 20, 30, you know, minute of brilliance. And then boom, it just slows down and it's like, ah, keep going with it. But mm-hmm. Kevin, can you queue up uh 227? Uh, I think that there's a lot here that, um, imagine this right here, this part here with the us and them instrumentation. The I mean, I would have loved that, like more of that, but in that us and them, like the organ, the like that pacing drum, but they, yeah, there's like too much acoustic. And I don't know if that's just, you know, where his, he felt that that matched the concept better, or maybe it was just like, a, you know, I'm not going to do anything that Richard Wright would have wanted. <laughs> like if it yes. was just that. Screw that guy. Um, but <laughs> like, I, I can hear the pieces there that with an us yeah. and them type of 1983 instrumentation um, really would have been golden. Mm-hmm. Not that there's not a lot, not a light. There's a lot to like here in this song. I really like musically. There's there's a lot of content here for me. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on? Just Good. one thing. I think the sure. the the uh, guitar picking then reminds me a little of Run Like yeah. Hell, sort of. Um, yeah. I like how Ro- I like how Roger uses the element of lyrics about not communicating, like when. He's talking to the the woman who's sleeping. Mm-hmm. To, to to me, it's about not wanting to communicate with what is who, with who his character is talking to. I feel like there's some elements of that which are in a lot of other uh, Roger songs about like isolation and kind of you know not communicating to others and feeling you know like trapped or whatnot. So maybe there is right. a little bit of that. I think. Well, yeah, there's maybe, there's possibly, that too. Yeah, so. as far as yeah, uh, as far as the concept, yeah, the not being able to vocalize as far as what the central character, what he has gone through, and would people understand. And I mean that even through the at the end of the song where it's yeah, uh, yeah where you've got like everybody's kind of celebrating the return and then you've got him like kind of going back. Well, that doesn't help me as far as getting those memories out of my head of of the people that I fought with and who died alongside me. Yeah, is there any tie in here to Corporal Clegg? I mean, with with Roger, I mean, you, you could say this is a thing, and this is one thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, that I, it's very clear that he hasn't gotten over his father's death at such a young age. I mean, that's pretty much, it's, it's you know, become almost the cornerstone or one of the cornerstones of the Roger era. It was just him trying. It's like, did he need to use four or five records to reflect that? I don't know. I guess it's again, I mean, he, the band allowed him to take more con, all of the control. So it's, yeah. So, but right. it, it's, it is kind of sad in a way where it's like, it's, I mean, this kind of obsession has kind of led to very unhealthy places, whether, yeah, building relationships or yeah, with losing a lot of the relationships he ended up kind of throwing away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's right. very yeah, it's very kind of interesting to yeah, yeah to consider because this is the first time it's like wow okay yeah it's we're yeah probably let's say you have Corporal Clegg was probably what how many years that was fifteen years earlier I think yeah or about full, so and we're still now we're but... and it's weird and he has and even over the course of all these albums where you the kind of pops up it seems like he's only gotten worse as far as just. You know, dealing with that which i can understand i mean yeah or, or even knowing people who lost loved ones earlier in there or even not even knowing 
yeah, where it's yeah, you never you never forget it. But it's here, it's interesting it just, psychology yeah. that the further back in time the memory gets, the more vivid and the more painful it it becomes. It yeah, remains, and yeah. here, yeah, here it's yeah, eighty three. Yeah, he's what forty yeah, years old at this point, and it's very. I mean, it's almost like I said, this is probably one of the most dense lyrical records yeah that I've ever listened to. I mean, because it really is just him kind of yeah, putting. Yeah, and only the, and the only way that Roger could, yeah, his heart on his sleeve, and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but you don't really feel like that he's, yeah, that he's kind of come to terms with it. It just feels like it's just another step in the struggle. Sure. sure. All right. Well, uh, let's move the concept along with the Gunners. As the teardrops rise to meet the comfort of the band. Take a frail hand and hold on to the Yeah. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> David Sanborn. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to try to convince you on this song because it's been unusually quiet over there, just queuing and stopping tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if it weren't for the David Sanborn uh, uh, sax solo, which is, uh, uh, I have to call him out. He's a local guy, a big 80s uh, star, and uh, yeah, been representing Chicago on saxophone there. Uh, also on Roger's solo records, but uh, on the tenor sax too, which David's more of an alto player and unusually growly, but also fits the song. Uh, it's 420. Kevin, can you pull that one up? Man, what an ending to this song. I'd Wait, love are, to hear are, that. Are, 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 you, are you saying that David Sand, because David Sandboard didn't play on this? He did. No, he did not. He didn't no, play he did on not. this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he did. Sorry I about that. No, it's, it's, it's Raphael Ravenscroft, according to the no Wikipedia. Way. No I thought I, I thought I thought you were just saying David Sanborn because it sounded like it, which I I agree, but I don't think it's actually him. You have to cut my whole thing out. <laughs> no way, that's not David. I swear I looked that up, and maybe it was just because Job he was convincing on me too. is going down the toilet. Right oh boy, I got an uphill battle. You got to leave right. that in, make me look stupid. Boy, I mean, I, I was such a big yeah, fan of need- Dave too. I was like, but that's a tenor sax. Like I, I could tell it was a tenor. And I was like, David, like, all right, leave that in there. Leave, let Let's me just fall on my see. face there. But let me try to recover <laughs> from that. Kevin, 420, yeah, I'd like right. to hear a little bit. It wasn't David Sanborn. No, Raphael, yeah, Ravencroft. Yeah, Ravencroft. Oh, yeah, there's whatever. No, uh, I'll forget that name. Man, that scream! Yeah, that it, scream! Um, it works so with the good. word. It works with the word. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm gonna bring up an odd comparison because I was listening to this in the car and I was trying to remember what that scream, like what that, like really 
um, painful scream, that scream of madness. Please into tell me it's a Iron Maiden. Please tell me it's Iron Maiden. It's Iron beast. Maiden. Yes, it is. It's the second Pink Floyd Iron Maiden. Here it is. Thank you. Yeah, it took me a long time to find that because I there are so many Infinite good dreams. Bruce Dickinson dream. screams. I was like, which one is that from? Um, but I mean, just I love that painful scream that melds into just this clean, soft, and then that opening, that dun 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 dun, that movement there. It sounds so synthy. So much to like in this song. Yeah, I think you're right. Like the swaying back and forth with the drums and the synth, it's got like a really nice flow. Um, and the sax, like you know. That was pretty funny with, with what just happened uh, with <laughs> David Sanborn. But the, the, it's so nice. Uh, it was so much emotion. And when it kicks in, like, that's why I kept on loving in the Skype. I was saying, like, I was reacting heart, heart, heart. Because this song has the most emotion to me out of the, out of the whole album. And I truly, and this is and this is probably one of my favorite songs on the album, I would say, because it just has, because of those elements, you know. And then even at the end, I think, uh, I don't know if you have, like, the ending of the song, uh, just a, uh, uh, actually, no. Um, yeah, never mind. It, it, it ends off slow. So, uh, but but yeah, no. Overall, I think when when the drums and everything kick in, it, it just like a back and forth sway, and that to me is like really cool. And I think there's another. I think one of the other earlier songs had some something similar to that. But uh, but I like how how that was arranged for sure. Scott, I think that, I know the part element. you're talking about, Kevin. Can you queue up 440? I love how the electric piano joins in here, and it's very, very uh, day of the dead. What's done is done. Mm. We cannot. Doesn't that sound just like Day of the Dead? This final the music yeah, and that the electric piano. Yeah. I love that. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> like having to sit in there with a would, blank face, he, just not. <laughs> You want to tell me, yeah. I'll tell you my picture of this song. I'm picturing yeah. Roger in like a tux and some kind of like Elton John type behind the piano <laughs> with the mic in front of him just crooning away. And then he goes nuts for that, that single voice. And then he goes back and then he's just like, and then a bunch of old people in the crowd. Yeah, woo. What's Next, wrong with his Roger Waters residency in Las Vegas. Oh God. That's very interesting that you say it because you know like when we do this song live, it'll the, when the song's done, you don't hear anything for about five seconds. Then you have a lot of people cheering because I don't think people are really familiar with the song. You know, everyone goes to the shows to hear money, us and them, comfortably numb. So it's just interesting, also in a live setting, seeing that you know, like there's some people who are singing along, maybe five out of like a hundred or so, but but those people get it and other people don't. So it's kind of interesting take of what you're saying. You know, yeah. like that there's. Just people who are like kind of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let's get to the next, you know, to the hits now, you know. So, and, and I'm not saying that. I, I just it's what kind of popped into my head. I do love the sax moment in in, oh my in God. the song. It kind of made the song for me. It's just again, it's mm. it's that moment. And the rest of the time, I was thinking about like Roger behind <laughs> the piano, which is not like a good image for me. I don't know why. It just seems like he's yeah. turned into the soft rocker. Right. I had and the, that yeah, kind of like mm. th that kind of like that makes me not buy into this because it seems like the edge is gone. You know, there's there's mm. there's a there fair the bit fun of darkness edge on the wall. Yeah, and the animals was no, dark. but I'm I'm saying yeah, animals animals rocked. You know, and there's quite a bit of edge on the wall, and now I'm just <laughs> yeah. feeling like I get the concept, and there are moments that are so great, 
And maybe, maybe that's why I would probably buy this a lot more as a Roger solo album. Right. And that's you know, how Roger I see solo it. stuff. Roger solo stuff is kind of hit or miss for me. There's some stuff I love. I do love Amuse to Death. Great album. And maybe I would like this just so much more as that solo album. But it's like, it's tough. We're only two albums away from Animals. And man, that rocked. And now we're just kind of like, yeah, spotlight on Raj and the piano. But Animals was the Raj exception. Pick, Raj they picks were... up the acoustic guitar, and oh boy, you know, here we go. BBW time. But, 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 it's, oh, this is not that, a BBW. Well, and that's why I said, too, because I just, I can't help but think, and, and I don't know exactly what their thoughts are. I'd have to read more interviews, but I just can't help but think that... <sighs> None of the none of the other guys like wanted to do this, right? Well, yeah, and, I think that was that was, that was blatantly like, no, obvious. Like, <laughs> like like nobody else. And then he's and like you said, it's like it's my way or the highway. It's going to be a Pink Floyd. You could either jump in and and be a part of this album being under the Pink Floyd name, or you could leave. And I kind of just feel bad that he did that because. Like I said, you know, he involves the he involves the other members to their strengths here and there, but I feel like he's just using them. And it's yeah, it should have just been a solo album, I, I think, to me. But it's still I, I guess good in that regard, but I don't know. You have to wonder how much. If it, if it was under a different name, I think it right. would just make so much more sense. Well, yeah. it, it, it's an interesting conversation because we, or at least I made the argument that Pink Floyd should have been under a different name in the Sid years. And how would you, that have been judged differently? I don't know. So, it makes, it more, makes yeah. it a more fascinating I journey mean, as far as the history yeah. of the band. But uh, you know, it's weird. There was one thing that kind of, because yeah, this is a, a very. And I had to listen to the song a couple of times because, again, there's a lot of too like where I'm kind of getting sick of the lighter moments. Uh, and the saxophone initially kind of just put me right in that, like, yeah, this sounds just like an 80s sax solo. Like, why is it? But then What's I. What's wrong with that? Yeah, but I know, but I, again, but I ultimately. <laughs> it's so I lyrical. Yeah. I think it was. It ne- no, I think I, it was. I think it was needed at this point. And I and I like. And that's <laughs> we one thing. We I, need a saxophone. Get yeah, in here he, and wail because yeah, we need think, to get the blood going. Yeah, because he he does it again on this record, and I kind of reflecting on it. I kind of like it because it brings a very unique take on kind of the dark, dark darkness that he's singing about where there's almost, yeah, like this kind of or dark sense of humor yeah, kind of interjected in there. Because the sex, when you don't think when you're talking about, yeah, a, yeah, a guy going down in a plane and reflecting back on a world without war, you, you don't really expect a sex solo to come in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to kind of kind of anchor the, to, yeah, to anchor the song in a right. Kick down the door sack solo too. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of uh, maybe that's what kind of makes yeah this uh, unique. Yeah, isn't isn't those, isn't those, isn't those, isn't the visual of this album like a parachuter coming out of an airplane and thinking about all these things? No, uh, I think the plane's going down. I think, and, and this song, I think, like he you know he's he's going to die, and he's t- dreaming about a world where yeah, where oh, guess, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah the, sacri- and it's funny yeah, the that sacrifices just the- <laughs> yeah that they're make that they are making will hopefully lead to a world without war. Then, uh, then, see, then this, this, see, this, this is the thing that's actually kind of comes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. See, that, yeah, again, it's, that's it's very, that's it's, the thing. That concept is actually kind of interesting. Your outline, and I knew that going into this, but then I just like. We're gonna croon away, and then we're. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that is that is Go my ahead. big problem. I'll, I'm with you on that, Kevin. I mean, he could, probably could have pulled back on that. I don't. The only yeah, the point that I was gonna make. I don't, I'm wondering if if like Nick, Rick, and Dave are really the rock muscle that was missing. Like, how much of them were brought that to the? Because uh, Dave is a very dark guy. He's a very abrasive guy. So you would think that he would bring that 
but you see, like, in the last two, three records, there's not a lot... Whenever he takes full control, it's almost just all acoustic crooner. Yeah. Are you saying that Roger Waters is the Jeff Tate? Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> when, we were, when we were talking about, like, I'm a gum, what was his song on there? Um, it was the birds chirping, wasn't it? Is it Grandchester? Grandchester oh, yeah. Meadows. Yeah. Isn't that I, which was a lullaby. I, like, I like that one. I can't remember. I think I blew up the meadows if seven, I ever Seven and a half yeah, minutes did. of birds? Yeah. I'll cue yeah. that up for you after the show, Alex. Yeah. Please. Uh, Oh, one thing, and then we'll move it because I know I don't want to eat up too much time. Um, there is, and this is one thing that did uh, that did bug me about this song is that it sounds like a parts of it, especially in the verses, sound like a John Lennon song, like solo era. Uh, if you could play it two oh nine, Kevin, it just it drove that actually drove me nuts because sometimes I thought w that it sounded like John Lennon too, the way he was singing. Sure. And even that, even the even the chord choices reminded me of like that early kind of, yeah, like John Lennon in New York kind of feel. Like in it, I don't know why it just kind of took me out of the song. Unfortunately, a little bit. I was expecting a little bit more. But I love uh, those bells, those high hopes bells. Yeah, yeah like so I said, that's just my opinion. But yeah, that was one. Yeah, one. I guess if I have one quip with that song, it just had too much of that in there. Now I'm picturing uh, the imagery of a guy falling out of a plane and just hearing distant church bells. <laughs> okay yeah now, now well mark so is that so that sax if, if i'm not mistaken so the the keyboardist in my band would say that he's hitting the same note as the sax is that true and what note is that do you know what note that is or is he, I, is he no hover? but the vocals and the sax match yeah i mean it is the same match note, yeah. yeah that's what i thought yeah yeah and i like that because it kind of he's like blending into sort of you know and they and they kind of made that in post-production like where it's like you know he's he's doing that. He's the sax and his voice are kind of like just like blending in, and then he's just drifting off, and the sax takes over. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that a lot. I'm so. thinking it's an A, just going off my pitch memory, but who knows? Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I hear <laughs> a reasonably high, high B, note right? for a male that's voice. What, that's what yeah. I think my keyboardist thinks. Who knows? I was wrong on David Sanborn. I might be wrong on the A yeah. too. So no, <laughs> it, it's a B. You're a close. I'm I close. Okay. On the <laughs> yeah. B, right, uh, all yeah. right, we're gonna go on to Paranoid. Hide, hide, tell you what, free pass, play for Behind petrified eyes. Now you're lost in a haze of alcohol, soft. Yeah, I wonder if all that laughing was yeah him. Like I can't believe I'm getting away with all these ballads. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like yeah, how far into this are we? And we've got. Uh, and I also had. Uh, it's funny. I started off the yeah this uh, statement with uh, kind of a say it, don't spray it. What is it with? It feels like Rogers all the way up in the mic, like he's about to like swallow. I mean, I literally feel like he's gonna like he's gonna drool on me. 
I mean, it's, I'm like, oh, and I was, was saying, driving. that's what I was that's saying fair. in my, that's what I was saying in my opening statement is there's some songs where I feel like that idea works. And then there's some where it's like, take a step back. All yeah, right? that's what it is. It feels like, it feels like it's going to, where like the mic is going to clip. I mean, he's like, so like, ha. Yeah, and then of course, and then, you, it's, and then of course, like, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you hear the, right. and then you hear the inflection. Yeah. Like the, the T's and all that stuff. We're just like, oh, it's like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. Uh, your, fa- yeah, your favorite, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin, can you play the opener? Yeah, uh, the, yeah. There's a part. Thirteen seconds. I wanted to uh, start from yeah, zero. For, yeah. Church music. Hundred percent church music. Button your lip, and don't let the shield slip. Need a yes. second pop filter on that thing. Yeah, it's like, la, 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 you feel like, I, yeah, it's just gonna. <laughs> I do, I do like how the song transitions into that beautiful piano playing. And Mark, this, this is where I think we might have a little bit of contention here, but I like a lot of the piano playing here, maybe more than I do on some other stuff, and it's not Rick. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like it. I, I, it's, it's, sim- it's, it sounds I, like I, church music. It sounds like. Yeah, like that, like post communion. Um, it does. Ready to go to sleep. <laughs> it it, <laughs> do, it it does. But then I can't help but think again, like a History Channel. Like I'm watching the Pacific or Band of Brothers, and like when I think of that, it like works so well because it's like this war post war concept album, and I feel like the music like just fits that so perfectly. I mean, it's not necessarily something I would go back to and listen to, but if I have to just like listen to this album and judge it and put it all in with the concept i think it like works i guess i guess this is where i would say like mark they set out what they were trying to do you know they did. i'll, I'm I'll, just I'll more use your words fan, against so. yeah, sure yeah, they, it's See, very, i don't yeah. know yeah I, ju- I just watched actually i watched band of brothers and <laughs> i just started the first episode of pacific tonight so it's fresh on the memory and uh, who did the the music for band of brothers was michael Kamen. yeah and well, that's who did this. the Pacific was partially <laughs> Hans Zimmer, along with two others that I didn't catch when the credits were going by. And it's a lot more grandiose than this. Yeah, but all, that also that show is a lot more recent than 1983, too. So yeah. we had some time to grow. <laughs> but the orchestra is not a new invention here. Use it. I will say the production, though, on the uh, again, as derivative as this some of the music on here is i like the production on the uh, uh, on the guitar with the piano it just sounds very a lot more modern than i was expecting which made me like it a little bit more than i should have because uh, you hear that uh, part kevin that you were playing where he's just strumming and i don't know it's just a very filling guitar uh, like just strumming of an acoustic guitar just an open chord uh, but it doesn't feel like it's of any particular yeah it just feels you know, like it could have come out today uh for again such kind of a basic song yeah i that for whatever reason jumped out at me and i kind of appreciated that how, how do you guys think about this one ending side one? I, I think for me, I, I will say uh, lyrically, concept wise, and I was kind of hitting on this earlier in the week with Kevin, is uh, it's a little bit more of the same concept of one of the few and the heroes return. Mm. I thought, um, and musically, I, I liked the beginning, but I felt like I liked how it faded out and it ended side one. Like if you're looking yeah. at it from a vinyl Side one, side two. Uh, I feel like it was a good placement. I don't know if you guys had any comments on that. Yeah, I mean, but the Gunner's dream was such a beautiful ending too. 
it just it kind of was my main complaint with the wall and this is where I'll side more with Kevin's side or Kevin's view of the record on this part just being that you know the wall had so many concepts repeated over and over and over or so many the same concept repeated over and over sometimes musically too like here's another introspective slow piece here's another acoustic ditty um and it's like the gunner's dream to me was it's just a beautiful ending and i think that that could have perfectly well closed side one yeah there's a there's a lot of reflecting too as far as the whole coming back to the world and like okay how do you how do you interject how do you kind of explain to people like what you yeah, I guess you could say this is kind of a, a, a repeat of those past couple of, uh, I don't know, at this point, I'm not sure as far as Roger is. He seems to be fixated on certain things and he's been trying to see all sides of it, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not that's good all the time, whether or not he clearly kind of gets all of those pieces out there uh, effectively, I mean, is up for debate. I mean, I think it's a little bit better here, but on the wall, I mean, half the time, I mean, it got to the point where... Yeah, we're, yeah, there was a lot of kind of, you were kind of stumbling around <laughs> in the dark. Okay, it's time to flip over the record then. Uh, get your filthy hands off my desert. Or is it dessert? <laughs> That's what I wrote down. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> This is where it. This is this is the this is the breaking point for me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, you know what? I'll just respond by giving you the far superior version of this song. Uh, let me cue it up. Here we go. Without frontiers, all without tears. Yes. <laughs> so- I mean, it's it's the, the same song. It's the same concept, but Peter Gabriel just knows how to approach it less forcefully it's so on the nose (laughs) i could just i I get it but i just yeah i don't know that's all i have to say let's go listen to games without frontiers yeah gabriel is definitely i mean he has more of the as far as the songsmith and within this context here we're here it's again maybe maybe roger's inflections make it maybe make it a little bit harder because again i yeah, thank you, Kevin, for your uh, yeah your little uh, expressions. Yeah, always yeah. <laughs> are the light of my uh, Scott. You yeah, got something to say this yeah. song? <laughs> From Probably us. my favorite song on the album. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. not a fan of it at all. It's, it's it's a good, but at the end, it's a good lead-in. The only good, but it's the last like five seconds because you feel it leads into Fletcher Memorial, which is home. which which is which so is the, the stronger. Yeah, which we'll get to. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's it. That's it. Can you play <laughs> the last five seconds that, yeah. or play the last ten? I'll play ten the seconds. last ten seconds. Then it goes into, you know, it, it feels like it starts on that same... Does it start in the same note for Fletcher on that first note, do we know? Like, with the piano? That last, call you yeah. Over. yeah, it does kind of. Right? 
So I like that. I like that lead in a lot. But as far, yeah, the, as, far yeah, the, as everything else with the song, no. Yeah, this feels like kind of like a cliff note version of what they go into with Fletcher Memorial yeah. Home, which is a much more imaginative uh, kind of view of that. It just uh, feels that like is he's reading it, a book to a child. It is. That is one hell of an explosion, though. Yeah. And Maggie took the the you know the the yeah. Argentina or Falklands or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's 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 the moment where you yeah, Roger run amok and everybody's just kind of running for the hills out of the studio. It's just <laughs> like, you know, for a band that has so way, many good ideas. It just they were not here. The, the way he's yeah. the way he says Beirut just makes me want to take off the headphones and turn the stereo off. <laughs> <laughs> Beirut. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. But yeah, this is. I hey, somebody, this. But I gotta say, if anything came from this album, I got a big history lesson. I, I'm re- I'm reading about concepts and stuff I've never really looked into before, so I appreciate yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Okay, now find Beirut on a map. <laughs> Thanks, Raj. All like, right, I, it's time to move into the home. Uh, we got to get to the Fletcher Memorial Home. I know Scott, you talked about this several times. Right. And this is the Fletcher Memorial. Polish their medals and sharpen their smiles and abuse themselves playing games for a while. Boom, boom, bang, bang, lie down, you're dead. whatever position you want but yeah this is probably one of my favorite like roger not giving a crap moments yeah because there's yeah. a lot of like you're writing a song like this nowadays i mean you would not <laughs> I, I just love it it's so fascinating honestly it with what's going on it makes me maybe like it a little bit more but the we won't thing get i don't like that. is mccarthy like what does he have to do with 1983 well, I think it's just talking about like yeah. I think it's just focusing on any uh, people who have caused a lot of problems over the history of, I guess, the political spectrum. But, but yeah, he, you just he, got, he should not talk about American politics. He should stick to UK politics. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, he's in this on this album. He's kind of going after everybody. But I just I think this is the best version of that. We're kind of comparing, like, putting all of the the people that he thinks have caused all the world's problems in a like a home. Yeah. And what does he do? Yeah, like, yeah. Take all of your overgrown infants away uh, somewhere and build them a home. Yeah, yeah, and then, and, then, and, then, yeah, and, and then and then nuke the home. Yeah, then the end, like holy crap! Yeah, you've got okay, wasters of life and limb. Is everyone in? Are you having a nice time? 
Uh, now the final solution can be applied. Like, oh yikes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I can't think of any. Like, okay, you just called out and uh, you're taking all of the world leaders, putting them in just and executing them. Like, and and right. using the words "the final solution," which is which is also right. which, yeah, which is, yeah, which is okay. a very. I mean, that that that, that that's that, put, that bites even harder. Yeah, just yeah, knowing yeah, as far as and knowing world history, yeah, that here, just like wow. Here's where I think. <laughs> here's where I kind of think his. Uh, and there's another song later on in the album. Where I think it works, but there's so much like a almost like a juxtaposition to it. Is that maybe that's if I think that's the right word using this context? But he's so angry in this song. Oh, it is. Yeah. And but the way he delivers it is so tame and peaceful, and I feel like it's almost a little bit tongue in cheek because he's I would just say, yeah. it's. And I like that almost because it's kind of sarcastic and ironic. And he's yep. like, "F you, put all these leaders and nuke the home," but he just yep. says it like in a fairy tale, and I, I think love- that's kind of cool. <laughs> it was I don't know you want to go, but I love yeah. how he says that uh, you can watch yourselves on TV or something like that. Yeah, just just that it's just it's so it's such a well executed concept. Yeah, there's a very weird conviction that he has, whether or not it's tongue in cheek or not. I mean, a lot of these. Okay, you want to. Yeah, yeah. As far as the last line kind of makes it, it was a tongue in cheek because that's a pretty powerful statement at the end. Yeah. yeah. Unless you really believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't say I want to kill all these people, but it's like, but again, he uses a very kind of powerful image yeah, that you kind of. Yeah. Not that ever. Not hopefully most people know what that means, but yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very, a very kind of powerful choice of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, musically, I think the solo is right up there with your possible pass. More feel, in my opinion, as far as nostalgia, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's like mm-hmm. a crying feeling right. to the guitar, and again, another time where the drums, another instrument, works well with kind of like a back and forth. So I feel like there's a lot of that on this. You know, like where some of the where where it connects very well, even though it might be some parts may connect in beat, and some parts may be off beat. If that makes sense, I don't know. You know, so those elements I really enjoyed about it musically, as far as as far as the song. So yeah, and I will say that his I will say his tone I will take over the wall. Mm. I will take his Dave's solo tone here. It just sounds um, more fizzy to me, where it might have sounded a little yeah. bit more muddy and arena like. I know everyone says goes to comfortably numb as kind of the quintessential Dave solo, but I think his work is better here. I will say that I, I love. Don't know. Yeah, God, Scott. Oh no! So, well, just real quick about the comfortably numb. Like his latest stuff, like sounds very tinny. I, I don't know what the correct word is. If you hear like his like like Roger, uh, not sorry, Roger Wars, David Gilmore, like on Rattle That Lock tour, it's just just a different sound to the guitar. It just and I that I don't like. You know that I feel uh, he really connects with for the final cut. I think it's it's different and especially different from from uh, from comfortably numb as well. So for some reason, I don't know if you guys. You know, when you mm-hmm. so, some of you saw him live, if you had that same uh, feeling as far as that, like it's just a diff. It's too. It's, very more, it's more harsh. His solo live, you know. So I don't know. I will say I love the chord progression under the solo and the way that mm. Dave moves through the mm. solo and the chord progression and and the harmonies over at the end of the end of the cliff that I played. And then it just he adds another harmony and then another harmony. That's just brilliantly executed. Yeah, and so, how it layers and builds. So well each yep. time you know and i really like this as it just like where the concept and the music does come together for me i mean uh, you know i we try to stay away from politics on the show and it's kind of hard to because it's such a political album but you know he's come up with a statement like the problem with animals sometimes was that it's like okay roger but you're uh like a zillionaire so uh, like i don't 
really, I, I can't <laughs> I really like take that into consideration with you complaining about the system. Yeah. Um, or mm-hmm. like, I'm glad that you can go back to your wife and your comfortable home with pigs on the wing. But, uh, you know, I, I could, we talked about just kind of the punk scene at the time being very anti Pink Floyd, um, because I could see a lot of that. They're like, yeah, we, we live in the gutter and you live in your, your gated you know, mansion and all that. So it just didn't feel mm-hmm. too authentic, but I like this because I mean, you know, who, it, it, it can connect like Roger and I are like, you know, we, we would agree on like, I'm very anti-war, but probably not for the reasons that Roger is. Um, but we connect on this because who doesn't love a good trashing of the elites? Like it just, it's like, it's like a universal, right. like it just works so well. Like no matter, it's, it's like a great way to connect. And, and, and like, he didn't really do that well with animals in my opinion. And I think he does that mm. much better here, spe- specifically on this song, r- regardless of how harsh he is or how, you know, final solution esque he is at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like it might be a little over that, but you know, in some ways, like you would say that the final solution was something that was come up with by an elite, you know, and it's just turning it against them. And that's very Roger Waters, like to, to say like, yeah. you know, here's, here's your own final solution. So. Hey, Scott, did you sure. ever play this live with your band? This particular We have. One? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we have. Did, what kind of reaction <laughs> uh, did it get? I have to wonder. Cause it's, it's very on the nose, you know, lyrically. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. My, my, uh, as far as, Musically, what people know, and I'll get politically into it, uh, but not political in the sense of, you know, Democrat, Republican. But, like, um, with the song, when we play it live, it's just some people know the song, and then once you're done with the song, there's a lot of applause. But my bandmates don't believe that the—they didn't believe that the song will be so well-received because, you know, if you're not listening to the album and someone's bringing it to you and saying, listen, put the, let's do this because this is going to, you know, uh, this is something that—, that as a singer, I feel like I put emotion into. So, you know, in, in that element, yeah. Um, and as far as uh, politically, I don't, I think people just listen to the song for, I don't think they're thinking too much as far as the lyrics. They're listening to the song because a lot of people don't really know the song that might come to a Pink Floyd tribute show. So, so yeah, but as far as playing it live and then when that like drumming comes in and then the guitar solo to feel that under your feet, which is why I kind of started the Pink Floyd band, that's a great feeling. So to, to feel that guitar bending and crying, you know, like, I mean, there's nothing like that. And I think, you know, I don't know if David felt that when he was recording, probably not, because he was just in there to do a job and do a good job. And I don't, but I think he did put emotion behind it for what he uh, had, to, what he was, you know, had I, to do with I the I will say, too, is there's, you know, obviously my opinions of this album are known so far in this, but... As if if you're thinking of uh, performing these live, you know the fact that you have the, you know I, I've talked about the 20 seconds of greatness with the Dave solo and things like that, and we have to wait for that. But if you're thinking about a live yeah. setting, that you fact that you have these softer moments, it almost makes those so impactful. Like you said, the drums come in and boom, mm-hmm. it's a soaring guitar solo, and it's maybe not. I wouldn't say it's what you've been waiting for, but maybe it just hits that much more. Because yeah. you haven't been right. rocking the whole time. I love that what you said there, yeah. Scott. Feeling the guitar solo beneath your feet. Yeah, it is so that type of guitar mm-hmm. solo. You just, and you would know that standing on stage with that resonating through the wood beneath your right. feet, like it just. Sure. Sure. So we're gonna go on to a shorter one. That would be Southampton. Rains. She bravely waves the boys goodbye again.
dark stain spreads between their shoulder blades. A mute reminder of the poppy fields and graves. When the fight was over, we spent what they had made. Yeah, this is where there's the, the piano ballads are starting to kind of blend together. Where I just uh, it's probably the one song here that's the most. Yeah, we're on a song of deep cuts or on an album of deep deep cuts. This is probably the. Yeah, the one the, the that's very deepest. Just the yeah, because yeah, it, it yeah, it's not. It, it doesn't have. I mean, I understand it has to do with the yeah, soldiers going off to war, and yeah, they're. Uh, uh, I think specifically they were talking about the Falkland Wars here, um, which I think on other songs on here too. But on here it just feels kind of like a uh, like a bridge, but not a bridge that really has much to say. I mean, at least in my opinion, I'm sure there's probably some deeper thing that I'm not seeing, which I'm sure we'll hear about later. In the, <laughs> oh wait, you're the, the lyric Reddit. guy. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, again, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, again, there's a He's lot of... He's getting burnt uh, out, folks. Yeah, I'm getting burnt <laughs> out, yeah. I, I feel like this album is made to be listened to and appreciated, listened the full way through, and I think back then, you know, like in 82, 83, people bought the album and listened to it that way, so if you think about all those elements and think about the way that Roger orchestrated everything and made it whether some parts be cinematic, some parts be orchestrating, he's telling a story through these through these elements. Um, so um, typically, typical Roger Water chords, you know, simple, you know, like he does like the C, the G, and all that kind of stuff. But um, and then it goes into a cool piano progression, like like which I like. The poppy feels in grains. Then it's like that little build up. It's very beautiful, very pretty. I love that part. Mm. Um, and it's just it's a beautiful orchest orchestrational section. So I think thinking about the entire album connecting and just the whole point of it being put it on a record player back then and listen to it there's that's the great thing about floyd if you want rock you got the wall if you want rock you have animals if you want something a little more subdued you got wish you were here you know uh if you want something more obscure you got like you know the earlier stuff with sid barrett so i think everything it has a place for what it is whether it's liked or not i think that's the way that this right. album should be listened to rather than you know thinking about like you know hits and i think roger at that time was just thinking about a full album and wanting to be creative right. and i think this no. song has, yeah, that, I, has one, that connection one thing i'm curious of is i think i was reading that this album actually charted very well initially wasn't it like number one somewhere well after have, success of the wall uh, well that yeah, it says it was. It reached number one in the UK and was number six in the US. Like it, it said, received mixed reviews. Though retrospective reception has been more favorable, it was a commercial success. So I guess I'm just curious as, mm. uh, I guess maybe almost tying back into, uh, you know, your dad, your dad's opinion, where you know you went to the record store, you picked this up, you brought it home. And then he said that people weren't sure if they liked animals right away. He said that, you know, this is kind of weird, Floyd, I think was his quote. So I, I'm just curious that coming off of the wall where you, yes, you understand that Roger took so, so much control on that album. And there's definitely some deep cut songs that kind of push the storyline. And then there's the hits. I'm just curious. I, I, I'm not really saying one way or the other about the album, but I'm just curious as like what people's initial impressions were of this album when they heard it coming after the wall. Yeah. It's like, 
Huh. I think it, I think I w- it was I think it was more mixed, yeah, from what I. But it's still I think people still, especially the really hardcore Pink Floyd fans, I think still appreciated it for what it is. Sure, sure. Uh, but again, uh, at this point, I don't know if just because of how kind of dense and large the wall was, I don't know if they were expecting another kind of complex thing. Maybe they were, pre- uh, maybe they were overly prepared with the wall, and then you got this, which again it is denser, but it's not. I mean, yeah, it's not as arduous as well, trying to get through an hour. And if you think about the era, too, like, if he put something out like this today, you would have known it was coming, and you would have known exactly what he was going to say, because he's been saying the same thing on Twitter for, like, the last, <laughs> whatever, whoever since he last released an album, like, you would know all of what he was going to say, where back then, yeah. you might not know. So you'd be like, right. oh, okay, this is interesting, I haven't heard this 500,000 times from 500,000 different people, like, this is a, you know, uh, I don't know where they're going, really, and maybe you could, mm-hmm. you know, read magazines and read interviews or whatever, um, and I'm talking about an era that I wasn't even alive for, but, like, it definitely feels like it would at least be fresher when you put it on, and it wouldn't be something sure. like, yeah. oh, look, another album about this topic, like, I knew he was going to say this. This. Um, the, the one thing I, I have, like this song really, um, you know, it really stands out though. Like he just left the entire band behind. And that kind of makes me sad. Like, like you couldn't put Nick on timpani or something. He got on the wrong something. bus, Mark. Yeah. They, I mean, they couldn't have found something for the rest of the band to do. Not nothing. I think him and Nick were, I think him and Nick were, I, I, well, him and Nick are okay. I think him and Richard Wright, right? Didn't they have like, I mean, my guys might have talked about it in, last, in other podcasts. Didn't him and like Rick Wright just like completely like he didn't want to play on the wall. I don't think, think he played much on the he wall. He didn't, yeah. He was, going, he was going through a uh, div- bad divorce, which I think kind of ruined. Yeah. Well, yeah, which I think contributed partly to his not really giving a crap and not really contributing. Plus, I think he, right. plus I think there were, and I think Roger said years later that he, Rick always had kind of a, uh, like a tenuous relationship, even going back to when they were in like primary school, uh, where there was not as much respect as people thought Yeah, until years later right. when they're kind of reflecting back on it. Where it's like, yeah, Rick and I were always kind of, I always kind of gave him crap, probably more than I should have. Uh, even going back to the, again, to their high or to their teenage years. Uh, so I think here, I think it just reached ahead where it's like, okay, I just, I'm now I'm going to really lay into you because now we're, yeah, now we've got responsibilities. Yeah, we're the biggest mm-hmm. band in the world and you're, yeah. And this I can is, understand that that's one guy though. There's yeah. two more and he left them just on the yeah, other I don't bus. know. I don't like, know why because just... I, I got the impression because it was weird. I remember. And again, uh, another interview um, where I think, I don't know if it was David Gilmore talking about it, where he, he was, and this is during the making of the wall or maybe towards the end of making the wall where he and Roger were funny enough driving in a car together at night uh, and where he was surprised for Roger actually said, you know, it's like we're, we make a good team, don't we? And it was kind of, <laughs> it was weird because I, I think, I think Dave said he, like he wasn't expecting that just with how bad, uh, mm-hmm. but I think, I think there was maybe underneath the surface, I think maybe Roger, maybe needed those guys but just i don't know his ego just got ran amok and, sure. uh, and sadly kind of mm-hmm. ultimately drove them away i don't know what uh right. I mean, we've gotten a lot into the psychology of roger but yeah i uh, i thought that was an interesting little interview tidbit though yeah, where that dave said yeah like he was kind of like wait what uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right uh we're gonna go to our final three songs uh this one is the final cut title track would you take the children away
You know, it's funny. I you know, that's an, uh, you love the solo, but there was something about that section that just bugged me for some reason. I couldn't quite place it, so I went back and listened to it. it, it that I don't know if you guys got the same vibe, but that transition right there—that's comfortably numb. Yes. Yeah. Like absolutely. To, 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 to a T, and, and that and that all yeah. that kind of pulled the rug out from under me. I'm like, there's a lot of that, especially hmm. in the verses that. The tempo and the in the chord choices. I mean, that sounds like a well. That's why the string pattern. I don't know if you. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, wait. I'm like, I'm trying to. I don't know what. Why? But there was just something weird. It's like an aftertaste. Like, there's just something. Why am I not? There's just something not right about this. And then I'm like, wait. Like, ha ha. Wait. That's yeah. This is, but oh, I like, caught that right away. Yeah. It, yeah, it's so good though. Like this no, is the, the, the solo is great, but yeah, I was I said, just this like, is yeah. probably the one Pink Floyd solo that I've heard that I haven't heard before that I want to learn. I love, I love the key change. Yeah. I love how it starts out mm-hmm. with that. That I think it's a minor seventh or maybe be ninth. Um, uh, and, and like I love that bend. Kevin, can you play that bend again? Just back up like ten seconds from where you stopped. You know, you know what I hear? You know what I hear? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't think you were going to hear a little red uh, beach yes. in that solo. Yeah, you didn't think you were going to hear a little winger on the uh, final cut uh, album Thank discussion. Thank you for yeah. bringing the 80s yeah. to us, Dave. Thank like, awesome. you. Oh, I love that. Oh, I mean, it, it's, I know this predates uh, uh, <laughs> Winger by quite a bit, but I'm not saying one was influenced by yeah. the other, but like, this is what I was talking about early on where I just like, I want to hear more 80s stuff for 1983 and the solos mm. are very good. Like I, this is probably my favorite David Gilmore solo on this record. Uh, I, and there's yeah. a lot of good ones here. It's a good one. And and I was going to say, too, just my brief notes. I mean, you already hit the point about Comfortably Numb kind of coming back uh, towards the end there, but uh, at first, on first listen, I didn't really have anything to say about this one. I think maybe I just took a break from listening to the album at that point. But then I came, <laughs> but then I came back to it. I came back to it, and I will say I really like the transition in the opening. And this is actually one of those songs where I was mentioning where there's some where he's right up on the mic and he's kind of doing that more soft, uh, not spoken word, but less singing and more kind of talky vocals and more right up on the mic. And here I think it actually works because uh, I don't know, it seems like the song is a little bit more personal. And I think even at the very last line, which I do hate the way he says cut, he kind of alludes to, <laughs> <laughs> he he alludes to, you know, possibly taking his own life, but not doing it. And I think that the personal right up on the mic and, kind of bringing you into the room with him. Like you feel like you said, you could be at the coffee shop and he could be right there and he's bringing you in. <laughs> he's bringing you into his own little world here. And I think it actually works on this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from what we heard in a sample, like lots of great elements, the bass was very prominent, which I really like. the synth as well. And again, the solo has like an emotional feel just like the other songs. Um, after like 
and again, I don't play guitar, so maybe if I'm like not really explaining correctly, but after like the high bends on the neck, there's like a lower patch of notes and then the slide down dropout and it goes back high. I really like that uh, element of what David did there for sure. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts. Like where it goes, you know, like mm -hmm. back down the neck. I really like that a lot. So, so there's like elements like that that I appreciate as a listener and, and appreciating guitar that, that I think uh, are, are very prominent from David and what he brings to the table with, with his solos. Mm -hmm. And there's a piece that was written long after Pink Floyd uh, by an Icelandic band called Sigur Rós. Uh, it's oh, called yeah. Ara Batur. And it is one of the most beautiful pieces of music that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And it is, there's a section of the song that is very like the opening. It's very close mic'd. I don't know if they heard the final cut or if they have any kind of hmm. influence whatsoever i'll just play a short segment of it but yeah i mean this is just like it's almost identical to God, the i haven't i haven't heard that band name in a long time and and just yeah, like where huge. this one goes just a beautiful piece of music but uh, if it was in oh any God. way influenced by the final cut i'm glad that they heard it because it was uh this is <laughs> this is uh you know maybe this song isn't the most incredible song as a whole you know outside of the guitar solo because we've kind of focused on that but uh you know it's a, we're getting to the end you kind of feel it so hope you feel it at home listening yep. <laughs> yeah i was i don't know if you guys can answer this for me it feels like as far as the topic of this song seems to be uh, to complete, be completely different from any other songs on the record as far as... I don't know if you guys figured this out as far as who they're talking about in this song. Is it Pink or is it the soldier or the teacher? Did you... Because they talk about... Uh, you know, there's talks of suicide in here, rejection, um, even weird kind of... Where it seems like it shifts. Uh, you're talking about... Uh, uh, if you, well, Chris, you I don't think it's inconceivable that Roger just doesn't know where he is at this point. Well, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> we kind of lost last record. Yeah, because I was uh, and I was reading up on it. I'm yeah. like, it doesn't sound like any of the other. Uh, uh, it doesn't sound like any other, any of the other characters in, on this album, or, or, mm -hmm. or the one character, I guess I should say. It sounds like he's kind of shifted to somebody, uh, and I kind of got lost for a minute because uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it gets into mm. yeah, there's a kid who had a big hallucination, making love to girls in a magazine. Uh, he wonders if you're sleeping with your newfound fate. I, like I was trying to, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Will you still be with me tonight? And if you open your, yeah, I don't know. Is he talking about like again the recovering soldier back in the real world, or is he talking about? Because uh, then I think they referenced a Rolling Stone magazine too, which I thought that I think that was I the like part that. that really, yeah, yeah. Would you sell your store uh, uh, to Rolling Stone? Like, okay, that doesn't sound like. Yeah, it's like the, the character that we've been kind of following for the last couple of songs. Now it feels like we're shifting back to, mm -hmm. yeah, well, Pink, who's the rock star? Like, okay, are we talking, are we back to his story now? Like, what is... Chris, yeah. I think Roger, if he ever listens to this, would appreciate you going that in-depth to his lyrics. Like, <laughs> like it, it is like the kind of thing that he just, you know, maybe he doesn't even know. Yeah, there I, was know, always, I know he yeah. has to explain things 30 years later before we finally get it. Sometimes. Right, yeah, but there was but, all, yeah, yeah, there was always a common thread on the other songs uh, as far as, yeah, the main, uh, yeah, you've got yeah, the soldier, yeah, he's off to war, yeah, uh, yeah, and then you've got the song about, yeah, as far as he's, yeah, he's about to crash and dying and reflecting back on a, on a future, maybe perfect world, and then yeah, and it's like now it's like okay, now we're back to what? Okay, some like kind of mentally damaged person, kind of struggling with all these, yeah, with 
Yeah, but then almost in a more modern context, and I was really kind of confused by that. I think the curtain yeah. has been pulled back, and it's himself. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's like a brief moment. Yeah, maybe he's maybe it's the one that okay, we're shifting, but I, it, it kind of stumbles a little bit because it kind of pulls the, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of pulls yeah, again that rug again. Kevin wants to move on. <laughs> yeah, we gotta switch it up a little bit. Uh, this is not now, John. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that um, uh, this is my wife's favorite Pink Floyd song, and she's not a Pink Floyd fan. Like she, she's aware of them, but this is like this is her Pink Floyd song, which is kind of weird <laughs> because like it's just like this. You know, it, it is probably the popular song on this album. I was trying to figure out why. Um, she's a fan of Bowie and Lou Reed, and this does kind of have that goofiness, that that UK early seventies goofiness, but with the eighties sounds. I like this song. Like it accomplishes that. I just feel like it's buried way back on the album where nobody can really find it. <laughs> like you, you really have to slog through. Like Scott said, you got to go top down on this album. Um, and if you're looking for a rocker, you're going to be waiting for a while. So that's just the, the placement of this is just very strange. Even if it has got that really funny, goofy, just, you know, groove to it that just sits right in that era too. I love that Gilmore is singing too. Thankfully, he's actually singing, yeah. and I wish it was earlier to break things up in the album. It was his first I wish one, it was right? more Gil. Yeah, I mean, I wish it was more Gilmore <laughs> vocals. Uh, the guitar solo and the singing of the female singers, I feel, is a great build-up before getting back into more of the verses. So I really like that as well. Like when those like two or three female singers, backup singers, come in and kind of you know go towards the last couple of seconds of, of the guitar solo. I really like how they added that in so it just doesn't feel like there's a guitar solo and nothing else is added so i like that they actually added some of that and especially that bass that like thumping bass or whatever however you want to yep. say like i like that that is in there as well so yeah it's it's a different sound it's more upbeat it and i think if there were more songs like this maybe it would be a little more well received i would say so i i, I agree yeah and it's funny you mentioned that you like how david was singing uh, because uh, a one review I read was, uh, it's refreshing to hear David's voice after 11 tracks of Roger whispering and screeching. <laughs> so I might have to agree here, and, and I imagine, that not to jump the gun, but I imagine Kevin might like this one a little bit better. But yeah, just the placement of it is, is it's a little unfortunate that it's so far down. And Scott, I know you mentioned that there was a song that maybe you didn't think fit on this album, and I wonder, is it maybe this one? Just because, I guess, tempo-wise, it's a little different than everything else. I personally like it, but I get where it would be a bit of a, whoa, where'd this come from? I'd say get your filthy hands off my dessert. I'd say that one. Yeah, I'd say that one. Um, But it does seem a little out of place, but I do like that, that it's like balls to the wall. I love it, Kind of reminds me of like Young Lust a little bit. You know, it kind of has that vibe, so it kind of, I think it's maybe a somewhat of a reject of the wall to a degree. I don't know. Maybe it's like inspiration. 
inspired from some of the stuff that they were trying to put on a wall. So I don't know. But yeah. it, I like that David's on here. I think he kind of, I think Roger had to kind of put, the, uh, maybe in his mind he thought, I got to put David on this. Otherwise people, you know, maybe they might <laughs> you know, listen to it or you, look at it as like a Pink Floyd thing. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I can't help think of is that uh, David has just been coming in every now and then just for the solo. And eventually exactly. he just got fed up. And he's like, all right, Rog, take it easy. Go in the back room and have a timeout. Let me get in here. <laughs> and, uh, Go write some more and, lyrics. And, 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 and yeah. I, and this might be wrong, I, I don't really have any experience with David Gilmore's solo stuff, but I was watching a little bit of the Live at Pompeii show, and uh, mm -hmm. I liked Rattle That Lock, and it almost sounded a little bit in that vein. Am I wrong in that? So, or am I wrong? Did you kind of hear, like, maybe a little bit of a David solo feel on this song, or...? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like David's solo song, have, uh, Gilmore, and uh, and I think he, I think, I think, I think a lot of his stuff blends in on certain albums because he, because of his tone and everything and and what he does. So um, I, I do like Rattle Lock, and for people who, real quick, for people who don't know that sound of like that, uh, I think that was a train station sound when he was in like the, I forgot what train station he was in, but like, you know, doom, doom, in the beginning of Rattle at Lock was actually a sample that he actually f recorded on his phone. So I'm not sure who, how many people in here have heard the song, oh, but in the cool. beginning it was like that, was like, like train, uh, like, like train chime. notes or something yeah. from, yeah, like the chime. <laughs> yeah, so, I just, I just couldn't tell if this song kind of sounded more like what David would go on to do with his solo work. So it almost, I might be totally wrong on that, but I just felt like I heard that. But um, yeah, I just, I appreciated the aggression on this song. And yeah, there's a lot of slurs here, but it was kind of a nice <laughs> wake up and... Not, not to be that guy, I'm not usually one for profanity in songs and to go for that kind of stuff, but it was, I guess, you know, like it says, you know, after 11 songs, it's nice to kick the door down here and kind of have like this kind of party rocker a little bit, the pissed off rocker, so I like this one a lot. Yeah, it's, it's weird with the, uh, I don't think I've ever heard as far as a uh, R&B vocal backup group yet singing that's, that. That's what, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's funny, because I, I, again, I, I, the first time I listened to it straight, straight through without kind of going and digging, I'm like, wait, what did they say? And so I got home and I'm like, <laughs> is that what I, I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, that wasn't just what I, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a very kind of even, yeah, the, uh, it's funny, I, I, Dave is definitely better at kind of inflecting the aggression in how he, how he says the lyrics yeah, compared to a Roger sometimes where, again, it just gets a little kind of, like, juicy, I guess. <laughs> so, Scott, have you done this one live? Because you, you, you wouldn't no. sing this one. <laughs> no, no, we haven't done it live. We wanted to, but we didn't. But real quick, because, I, you know, obviously Chris is wearing that Kiss shirt, right? Uh, I don't know if yeah. people see it or not. But uh, it reminds me, Roger and David remind me of kind of like Gene and Paul. You know, Paul has the higher voice, Roger has a higher voice, and then, you know, Gene has a lower voice, and so does uh, sure. Gilmore. So it's kind of interesting, and especially if you listen. Just as a little side note, if you listen to any like these sports shows nowadays, you have the one guy that's high and the one person that's lower. It's just yeah. interesting how like sometimes a lot of those, you know, uh, that's how it just ends up being, you know. And it and sometimes it'll blend very well in, with each other in in in, in, in bands, you know. So mm -hmm. I just found that interesting too. Yeah, sure. All right, it's time to close out our <laughs> journey with the final cut. <laughs> Uh, we're going to close this out with Two Sons in the Sunset. We were all equal in the end.
this one. I just have a goof comment, so. Sure. <laughs> well, from what I know, it's a song about nuclear war and, you know, the sun, and then there's, like, the explosion, and, you know, it's, that's that's what I perceived and what I think I've read about it. Um, it's such a simple and beautiful song. The sax on it's like smooth jazz. There's just a part, I'm sorry if I don't know the part, the uh, area, like, where it's, when the moments when the brakes slide, and you slide towards the big truck, he, like, screams. <laughs> Yeah. We're seeing this uh, this funny video, but uh, well, yeah. So there's like this, but it, it breaks it up, which I like a lot. It breaks it up, so that's good. Yeah, nothing like yeah, that. I was gonna Sorry say, about that. That broke the ice perfectly. Yeah, I, I love yeah. the nine eight meter of this, uh, specifically in that part. I just have to wonder if Nick is really drumming there. He's not. How much he is pre- he's, he's not. not. No, 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 he's not drumming. He's not, he was, he was really? out racing his cars. Yeah, oh. no, he, was, he, he was a professional racer. I, I think this is one where he just felt like he couldn't do the. Uh, yeah, because there's there's like different time signatures in this song. Yeah, I think six eight and nine eight. Yeah, and like nine eight with the majority of it being in four yeah. four. But I know there was one or two, a couple of songs. He just, I, 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 I just yeah. think he like gave up. He's like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> he just didn't even show up. Because <laughs> that happened. That we were yeah. talking about that with the wall. Offline. Yeah, with we mother. That, mother. Yeah, he with mother. Yeah. You can handle mother. I was like, there's no way this is him. <laughs> like at this point, I expect you know, him. Yeah, it's funny. This song kind of reminds me of the mother of of the final cut too. It's got that kind of yeah, uh, yeah, that kind of acoustic vibe to it. Uh, but yeah, nothing like a little sex when to bring in some nuclear annihilation. Yeah, I thought that was. I think it's great. I don't <laughs> no, no, picture you know, the funny, camera the one, flying yeah, the one... over the ocean and right. just no. like with the whaling. Again, because I know we talked about it uh, on the last yeah, yeah, Alex, where I kind of referenced uh, Doctor Strange Love, and that this song reminded me of that, like the end sure. again, that end scene, yeah, where sure. you've got this very inappropriate song playing as the worlds get like blowing up. Yeah, and this, is yeah. Again. And this yeah. central sax comes in, just like on the Gunner's Dream. It's nice. It's like, right. same thing with Fletcher Memorial. Like, he's talking about nuke and leaders, but he's just singing it like this little nursery rhyme. It's kind of right. funny how it's polar and he really, Especially towards the end, yeah, as far as some of the lyrics are, again, are pretty graphic. Yeah, uh, when he's talking about, yeah, and as the windshield melts and my tears evaporate, leaving only charcoal to defend. Like, okay, are these, like, burned, like, corpses? Yeah, I mean, I, I finally understand the feelings of the few, ashes and diamonds, yeah. Uh, foe and friend, where it's yeah, it's very kind of yeah, very dense imagery there. Uh, we are all equal in the end, yeah. yeah I guess that's yeah. a, it's a perfect. That's a, that, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a perfect. I guess uh, kind of description I, or analogy of yeah, the end of the world, yeah, yeah nuclear style. Uh, Kevin, it's at it's at two fifteen. Uh, that's where it is. Sorry, I, I know okay. where it is. I like the part. That's Whoa. where like where it kind of breaks up a little bit, kind of kicks in, which I really like. That's that's because it's it's like very like simple throughout the whole thing until it's part. Is it? It's coming up. They sh- that is kind of sh- cool. So, yeah, they should have used that. It in- breaks it up. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Oh no no right. no go on. Uh, it just breaks it up, which I like. You yeah. know, it's it's not just straight way all, all the way through. There's something different about it, which I really enjoy right. with that song, especially since it's the last uh, uh, song on the album. So uh, also, can I say that I I just a little I, I 
uh, Chris, are you going to ask any trivia questions surrounding the saxophone player before uh, I say anything? No, I, I am not. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't came across this. I don't know if you guys would know this song, but a favorite song of mine. Uh, he's the guy who played the solo on Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Oh, I don't know wow. if you guys know that song, but that's this guy. Oh, and I'm yeah, like, oh, of course. Man. How could we not? Uh, but it's so, funny, I don't know why, it just made me think of this uh, in, uh, in the second Terminator movie, like the dream sequence where uh, where the where she sees the bomb going off, or she sees yeah, the, yeah, the playground. Oh, that, that, part, that part gives me chills every <laughs> oh, I know. time. How funny would it have been if they would have just like supplemented this song in for just that kind of ambient kind of like... <laughs> 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 yeah. How All right, Kevin, better. what do you think of the closer? Um... <laughs> yeah, the, guy, the, guy who, the guy who hasn't said very much yeah I, I, I honestly I, I i don't know i i just see roger behind the piano again i i, I noted i said opens like a 70s ballad continues like a 70s ballad boring way to end the album that's, i'm sorry that's that's just what i wrote down it doesn't it feels like a closer to me like it, it feels i don't know this song actually got stuck in my head maybe it was the odd meter um this was the song I think I walked around this week, just having it bounce around my head. Um, I don't know, right. something about this song just kind of had that that uh, staying power with me, that if you went back and mm -hmm. I said, like as Alex said, would I go back and listen to this? Eh, maybe not if I didn't want to go from the top down, but um, you know, I think Two Sons in the Sunset I could put down and put the convertible top down and and uh, imagine my own nuclear holocaust, I guess. I don't know, maybe it's a little too dark to just, <laughs> to just be able to like just relax too, but... Just imagine myself as charcoal yeah. or something. Okay, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. I think we everybody good. Everybody got their. Yeah. Uh, somebody is wake up, Kevin. Is it trivia yeah. time? Cue up the. Uh, <laughs> we actually have time for the trivia this week. Yeah, yeah I we had to bail on it last week. I don't have to. I don't have to adjust at the last second. It's just good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Seven for the bye. Okay. Question number one, uh, true or false, uh, session musician Michael Kamen was brought in to handle all of the parts Rick Wright would normally play. All right, Scott did that. get that because he hit his ass. Okay. Oh, uh, true? Uh, that's false, actually. They actually had two people. Oh, no, <laughs> Chris right. gets him He's on out. the first trick question. Yeah, there's some, some guy, I don't know, maybe because you guys follow some of these guys. Andy Bone, do you know who that is? That was in the, uh, I don't, I'm not sure who that is. He was another session like keyboardist, wow. I guess. Um, I thought that was a good trick question, and fortunately for Scott, it worked uh, in my favor. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So for his ten of ten album, he does not get to pick two buys. Okay, God. There you Kevin's go. hoping to win this so he can get two T's. <laughs> All right. Okay. Question. So, quick, real yeah. quick question. So, can I can I guess again, or am I out now? I'm just curious how that works. Normally, you'd be out, but why don't we give you another shot? I don't think you. Are we that. doing that? Are we you doing the two? I, are we doing the like the two Sorry, two, bomb, the two bomb outs? Or do you want to do We're that? We're just gonna no, no. give it for Scott. <laughs> do normal. Let, let, let's Scott back in because I, yeah, I don't think I didn't I, realize. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You next one and you're gone. <laughs> okay. okay. I understand. And then give you a little Kevin, Alex, and I. If we get one down, I'll gone. give you a little R above your uh, name with resurrection for Scott. All right. Thanks. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, okay. Question number two: uh, True or false? Uh, Roger failed to put the band to rest in the courts because the band's partnership was never legally established. True or false? I, I think that was that was Alex. Alex that. Yeah. True. You True. are correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's too too bad for uh, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's one for Alex. Okay. All right. We got a multiple choice here. Um, okay. Which one of these was not a reject from the wall sessions? Uh, was it A. Your possible pasts. B, paranoid eyes. C, 
the hero's return, D, one of the few, or E, none of the above? Oh, that's a nasty one. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm, I'm guessing. Paranoid Eyes? You are correct. Wow. Oh, that's man. a savage snipe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right in there. Oh, man. With an E, too. You, Chris, I don't think that's the first time you've given us an A, B, C, D, and E. <laughs> uh, I think I might have done it once wow. before. I'll have to look back. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I know that's always a good JAG question. So all, all of those <laughs> were, were B-side or reject uh, wall? Yeah, ex- yeah, except, yeah, except for a pyramid. And there, there were more. I mean, I could have. I think there were a lot of. But that was one of the f- two or three that was not a, uh, that was an original for this, yeah, uh, how do you feel album. about having reject tracks on a 24 track album or whatever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that just shows you how could have could have been a triple album. Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right, uh, uh, all right. Next question: uh, True or false? Uh, the Fletcher and Fletcher's memorial home is a nod in respect to uh, Roger's mother, whose middle name was Fletcher. I that, knew was it. Kev- that was Kevin, I think. Uh, it was it was his father, not his mother. So false, correct? Okay, all correct. right. One I heard, I heard that little trick question in there. Chris. All right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right. Okay, uh, true or false? Uh, the fa- uh, the sound effects used uh, throughout the record were created utilizing a new effects board technology. True or false? Uh, Alex. Uh, I'm or no, that's Mark. Stab- sorry. Yeah. Yeah, all I'm right. just gonna take a stab at this and say false. Because there didn't really seem to be any. Yeah, I see him. He's are... looking already. What's he could... No, you're correct. <laughs> all right, all right. Just wow. thought he looked up at me. He was just like, yeah, you're Yeah, um, and where's my phone? I had to, yeah, it was, yeah, this was weird. It was something called holophonic surround sound. Um, yeah, just a little uh, trivia here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, similar to a holographic image uh, for the eyes, the new technology could be compared to a type of 3D experience for the ears. Uh, the technology used in Pink Floyd's, yeah, the final cut, uh, yeah, the album was created especially for personal listening devices with headphones, as two separate tunes were recorded for each earpiece. I thought that was kind of a weird. Mm-hmm. I had Wait, to read Mark, it a few times. But you just said that they did not use any new technology, and then Chris is saying they did. No, I know I yeah, said effect. No, did you read the whole new effects oh, board? Effects board. Yeah, you got to read mm-hmm. my. Uh, yeah. But what's? How do we know what they used? It's oh, a, it, it was it was a, it was a headset. No, it's it, it, yeah, no, it wasn't a board. It was it was, it was this weird dummy head that they used. Oh, okay. It had it was yeah. like a binaural head kind of right. thing. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't a board though. Yeah, that was the Kevin doesn't yeah. care. The Mr. Engineer, like yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's an engineering question. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Uh, I feel like the question. four is sinking. <laughs> it's no longer a four out of ten. <laughs> it's heading down. Oh All right, God. let's move it here. All right. Uh, okay. Next question. Um, all right. Uh, uh, true or false? Uh, two uh, sons in the sunset was first performed live by Roger Waters on his Us and Them tour. True or false? Yeah. Yes, Mark. I'm gonna say false. Uh, no, you are incorrect. It was true. Yeah. Oh, so, Seems Mark. like a weird one to pull out. Yeah. I know I was yeah, I was trying not to get too crazy with the questions, but yeah, cuz I probably could have gone you know, a lot farther. So Mark sure. is out. All right. All right. Uh next question. Okay. Um all right, true or false? Uh according to an interview with Esquire magazine, Roger admitted one of the things he would have really liked to change in particular on the record was the production on the drums. True or false? Scott's got yeah, Scott. 
That's true. That's true. That's yes. True. All right. You he didn't like. Enough. He didn't like the drum sound on the album. He did not. Yeah, I think overall no. that was. I think he was had a problem with the whole production, but he seemed to focus on the drums in particular. Some, somebody, okay. else, somebody else's fault. Somebody else's fault. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Some of these questions. These might be uh, kind of like uh, sudden death kind of questions because I know we kind of went over them already. But uh, yeah, funny <clears> enough, we kind of burned through all my <laughs> almost yeah fourteen questions. Um, all right. Uh, okay. True or false? Uh, despite the difficult recording sessions, Roger hoped one day to record again with Dave and Nick. Uh, reluctantly agreeing, he liked the results of the uh, as far as what they contributed. True or false? Okay. Yeah, this should be. Hopefully, you get this one. Yeah, this should be a pretty obvious. Yeah. I have to it? say, I have to say, true. What that he did did want to work with them again, or he did, yes. Yeah. No, that was no. <laughs> really? I, oh. I guess. Let, 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 me, let me. Let me. Let me. No, no, no. That's fine. But let me just explain why I thought I would say that. Because Roger's man in the helm here, right? And it's pretty much his record. I I feel, and I feel like you know he he brought in Nick and he brought in Dave. I mean, obviously they're still in the band, but I felt like they were more just used for their strengths. And they cooperated, even though they probably weren't right. totally about it. You think that he would have been, he would have had Open some heart and said, and said, "Hey, you know, they weren't about it, but they came in and they did their job and no. they did great. Yeah. I'd work with them again." Right. But the partly, not. Nah, you know, he actually said by the time that he was over, he he knew this would be the last time that he would work with these guys. That he would never be able to do make another record with uh, Nick and Dave. So really? I thought that was kind of interesting. All right. So yeah. it's okay. wow, down to Kevin and Scott. All right. Uh, all right, let me see. Uh, all right, true or false? Um, not now, John is the only song in the record to feature lead vocals uh, from Dave. Oh, that was close. Anybody want to tie that? Yeah, that was pretty much right. Who wants to? Who got it first? That was hard. Let him go. I think. No, I'll give it to Kevin. Uh, <laughs> give it to the guest. Yeah, right. yeah, guest takes it. Go ahead. True, true. Yes, you are correct. Okay. <laughs> a lot of these, yeah, the last questions I have should be uh, hopefully. I, I'm yeah. out, right? I'm out. Yeah, yeah you're I'm out. out. Yeah, okay. And, and Mark fine. is out That's too. Fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay, yeah, true or false. Uh, David Gilmore always supported Roger's concept for the record. Uh. Yes. I'd say he did, but he didn't like how it came out. Right. Yeah, because I know I, I didn't know if you because I think we talked about it in the beginning, but you got it. All right, Scott Give comes him a back. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding for uh, <laughs> ding, for ding, Mr. Ding. Goldberg there. All right. Yeah. So you, I guess you come. Yeah, you came back. <laughs> Scott, you got an extra buy, or I guess if you want to terminate okay. two songs on this album, um, but you can choose which one you'd like to use. Uh, so let's take it away, Alex. And now, love it or flush it. Okay, tonight's order, Chris, Scott, myself, Kevin, and Mark. Let's start it off with the first track, The Post-War Dream. Chris, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a, uh, a love. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, kind of important uh, way to start. Okay, and Scott, what do you think? I'd say the same. I love it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I give it a, a like. Uh, I like the way it starts off, and it kind of sets the tone for the album. Uh, nice and short and inoffensive for me. So, Kev, your thoughts? 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Starting it off. Starting it off uh, right, aren't we? Oh, man, I, I, I feel like that button's going to get a workout tonight. Mark? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, despite... Um, I, I just can't get over that Maggie part, but uh, it doesn't take away from what is an otherwise appropriate opener to the album, so a love from me. All right, let's move it on track two, your possible past, Chris. Uh, yeah, another uh, yeah, very strong love for me. Yeah, just uh, with that weird heaviness uh, with the synth and uh, that guitar solo with the organ is just awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, Scott? I love it. I think I agree the same. Uh, some parts of solo, uh, like we said, it sounds like animals, so I love that connection as well. Yep. Yep, agreed. And Kev? I'm going to give this one a love, actually. Oh, the oh, solo. <laughs> so, solo kind of kind of brings it together. Although I don't feel like it's a perfect song, but yeah, I can give it a love. Alright, and lastly, Mark. Uh, yeah, we'll give, make it uh, 5 for 5 uh, on the love board, because it's definitely a uh, a solo. I mean, I hate to keep going back to the solo, and it seems like Kevin was a bit biased towards picking the solo sections of the songs. Um, <clears throat> you know, so... <laughs> uh, but it definitely uh, helps the album, and is a high point of the album. So Hey, I, I wasn't going to pull a... Uh, what, what was that album where I just pulled up all the garbage uh, sections of the album? I wasn't going to do that this was time. Is it St. Anger? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it might be hard to tell the garbage from the not garbage on Saint Anger. <laughs> All right, track. Uh, yeah, it's right. We're on track three. One of the few. Uh, yeah, another uh, another uh, big love for me. Chris. I think it's one of the stronger uh, short uh, kind of bridge pieces. Uh, that's very unique and kind of yeah, ominous. Okay, Scott. I love it too. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of uh, elements to it that makes it like, as we talked about, cinematic and uh, like a soundtrack. It feels like a soundtrack in, in most of the songs. So I really like it a lot. Okay. This one, unfortunately, is going to have to be my first flush, actually. I, I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I think. It, it just. I don't know, like the, like the I, I guess uh, out of the first half of the album, I, I would say this one just kind of hit me the least, and maybe because it's the shortest song, and that's maybe not fair. It almost seems more like a transition piece to me, but yeah, I just not mm -hmm. as strong as the other ones, so that's where I'll go with it. Kev? I think it was time for uh, Michael Kamen to step in, in the producer's shoes and tell Roger to stop with the tease. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The thing is that we're seven minutes into the album. We don't need a transition song. I mean, as as cinematic as it is and as lush as it is, I just I just don't like the placement of it. Um, right, we're somewhere else. Yeah, and, yeah I mean, it's, it's still a beautiful yeah. song, but I'm gonna have to pull the handle on this one. And let's move it on over to track four, The Hero's Return. Chris? Uh, this is going to be my buy for the evening. Uh, yeah, I just love how unique yeah, the instrumentation and song structure. It just, I, this is one of those few songs, even after I was done really digging into it, uh, that I kind of came back to. Yeah. Sure. Scott? I love this one. I mean, like I said, the guitar picking reminds me of Love Like Hell, and I just think it's one of the songs that leads pretty well into the next song as well. So. Yeah, uh, Chris, I think I'm going to join you on the buy on this one, too. Uh, I like it a lot. I, I was thinking if I had a second buy, I'd probably go with... Uh, I'll just 
cheat with it and else i'll say not now john but i feel like this one if anything kind of encapsulates the whole album a little bit more where that one's a little bit more of just kind of a outlier which a good one so uh kev you know what i i thought i was gonna be the only one giving it a buy so shows what i know but yeah i'm gonna actually follow up with the buy on this one as well uh, right. It's got enough where I like, and uh, it's got enough of kind of the feeling of the album. So if I put it on a playlist, I feel like people will get a taste of what's on this album. Sure. Okay. And last but not least, Mark. Yeah, I'm kind of confused as to why everyone seems to be buying it, um, but I still do love it. Um, maybe the fact that it's a bit shorter helps. I don't know. But uh, um, yeah, strong love for me. Okay. Let's move it on over to track five, The Gunner's Dream. Chris. Um. Yeah, the music, I know you guys really loved yeah, the musical construction. Uh, again, it just had too much kind of the, the John Lennon vibe going on, but uh, I love the concept. It's very important, and so I'm going to give it the love Yeah, just for that. Okay, and Scott? I love it as well. I think it's one of my favorite songs and probably my top three for the album, I'd say. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a love as well. Uh, Again, I like the concept. And of course, when that sax came in, that was just wonderful. And I do like the scream of the insane. I said he's he's very good at expressing, providing a visual uh, for the listener of kind of what's going on in the song. So I thought that was great. Kev? Uh, I'm going to give it a light squeeze with the... uh send like the statement that if it weren't for the sax, I'd probably be pulling the handle on this one. So the sax kind of saves us. Sure. Mark? I completely disagree. I think that the sax is all in. Mr. David Sanborn saves this song for me. Uh, he's, to say, oh. he, he's sticking to it. <laughs> I'm, I don't care. I don't care what it says. It is David you know Sanborn on, on tenor. Give it a buy. Give me I'm buying Gunner's Dream. I love the concept. Um, I love the, the outro. I, th- I feel like it should have been the closing to the side. You can't go wrong with the sax uh, in Pink Floyd, and especially a tenor sax. And um, uh, that just the more I listen to it, the more I love the closing and that electric piano underneath the uh, uh, the outro is so beautiful. So give it a buy. It belongs on my playlist. Okay. All right. Let's move on over to the last song of side one, track six, "Paranoid Eyes." Chris. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, I gotta flush this one. Yeah, just the way that Jay Roger. Relish in your first flush. Yeah. <laughs> just the way that he kind of just inflects on the lyric just really kind of bugged me. And I couldn't get into the song, even if it is important to the concept. This is the one time I have to, I have to sack it. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Scott. I'll the flushest one. Yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> you made him flush an album song. Yeah. No. Um. Like I said, it's a good lead into the ne- it's a good lead into the next song, but as far you know is, but that's about it. Like it's it's it's, I'm not really a fan of it to be honest. So. No, I agree. I, I like the piano at the beginning, uh, but I did say otherwise. It was kind of slow and boring. I, I I guess I like sort of the picture of you know the vet coming home after you know being back from war and he's kind of just hanging out at the bar and he's not quite sure what to do with his life moving forward. But I will say that. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm going to give it the flush is they kind of sort of cover that topic on one of the few when the heroes return of, you know, what the soldier's going to do when he comes back from war. And yeah. I didn't think we needed a third track of that. So I'll give it the flush. Kev? Mm-hmm. Especially on side one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
Keep it going. <laughs> oh, Keep okay. it going. Yeah, five for five. Can't all be wrong, as Alex would say. <laughs> God. All right. all right, let's flip the record over and get to the T's. Uh, get your filthy hand, and I was—I meant the T's as in the cut in the Beirut. Uh, get your filthy hands off my desert, Chris. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to. I was debating, but yeah, I'm gonna terminate this one because I think the next song I think is a better. Uh, yeah, there we go. As far as as far as going after the the. the Various people in history that Roger is kind of crapping on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Scott. I'd flush this because it's just, yeah, it's not good. No good. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you still do have to terminate one. Okay. All right. I will. Oh, I do, huh? Mm. And who am I fooling? I did mean let's start getting to the T's. Tee this one up. <laughs> Kev? Kev? Oh, I'm actually in a, in a crisis here. I'm not sure what to use my T on. I wish I had two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking through here. Uh, I, I kind of... You know what? I, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to give this the flush, but I never want to hear anybody say Beirut like that again. Yeah, Roger. Roger, here's your two sons in the sunset from me. (laughs) It doesn't do anything for the album, to be honest. And uh, the Peter Gabriel version is far superior. I don't know what you were thinking, Roger. Okay, all right, let's move it on over to track eight, the Fletcher Memorial Home. Chris. Very big love. Yeah, just great biting social commentary a la Roger. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott. I guess one the buy because I think it's one of the best songs on the album. Cool. I will give this one a love as well. I do really like the uh, the lyrics and what the song is about. And yes, a great David solo. And I just kind of like how it wraps up. Like I said, with the uh, soft, calm delivery on such a dark topic. So, Kev, I will say that the discussion brought the song up enough to for me to give it a love. So I'm I'm gonna give it a love. It's not even a light squeeze. I'm just gonna give it a solid love. Oh, all right. Yeah. And Mark, <laughs> no apologies here. Uh, yeah, definitely a strong love for me. Uh, I mean, it really is in a lot of ways indicative of Roger's solo career without being so vicious. I suppose that it just reminds me of. Um, you know, where like Radio Chaos or Muse to Death, where it would just be, um, you know, like seeing mm-hmm. yourself on the TV and all that. So um, almost going yeah. back to that old line of Space Cadet. Um, what was that off of? Uh, that was off Dark Side, wasn't it? Um, no, uh, The Wall. Is that The Wall, Space Cadet? But it just kind of, yeah. where he's got that. In the flesh. Yeah, he's got that in the flesh. That's right. He's got that uh, ruminating around his head and it's just kind of the way he thinks about things. I think this is the quintessential, um, as Chris mm-hmm. said, uh, Roger Waters commentary song. Okay. Yeah. All right, and we'll move it on over to track nine, Southampton Dock. Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna flush this one. Uh, it just, it's it's the most forgettable of all the ballads on here. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw that. I saw that's look from Scott and out of the corner of my eye. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's gonna come over from New York and pummel <laughs> you. <laughs> what does what, what, what does Scott think of this one? 
I love it. We played it live a couple of times, and I think it's one of the songs that's maybe top five for me on the album. Wow. So I, I, I love it. I just I think it's a good song for the album, um, more so than all those other ones that we kind of didn't like, like the uh, Get Your Filthy Hands, that one. Just horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I love it, yeah. Cool. I'd, I'm going to give this one a light squeeze. More on the subject matter, just because what this song is about the wives sort of sending their husbands back off to war. And I, I guess I just kind of like feel for that concept. So uh, I, I'll give it a light squeeze, Kev. Oh, I'm done with the ballads. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, and Mark, I'm almost begrudgingly liking this just for the concept, um, and it's short enough to tolerate. Uh, right. At least he didn't. I yeah, he he didn't pad this out to a, anything more than two thirteen. Might have been a little bit too tough to handle. So I'll give it a a, a mild love. All right, let's move it on over track ten, the title track, final cut, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna give it a light squeeze for the uh, for uh, Dave's guitar solo, even though this song really borrows from a lot of other. Uh, but yeah, my biggest problem with yeah, not giving it a straight love is yeah that it just doesn't feel like it fits uh, into the last couple of songs. So yeah, just a very light squeeze for Dave. <laughs> Throw my uh, Dave support. Sure, and yeah. Scott. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'd like that. I love the orchestrations of it, and also um, you know Roger's uh, vocals where he he he's screaming. Would you s- sell your story, The Rolling Stone? You know all that kind of stuff. I really I really love. So I do love those aspects. So I give it a love for sure. All right, uh, I'll give it a light squeeze as well. More on Chris's tip, and again, I hate to keep you know beating a dead horse here, but just the cut at the end. I wish Kev you didn't bring that up because it's totally there. <laughs> And I don't know, it's probably not that big of a deal, but I just wish it wasn't there. So, And actually, I, I didn't mind the sort of tie in a comfortably numb. I don't know if that was intentional. I have to think it is, especially if, you know, just coming right out of the wall. I, I thought it was charming. I liked it. So, uh, Kev. Give this one a T. Yeah. I, I, I said I was going to stick to my guns on this one. And while lyrically, you know, it, it may be all right, I don't mind it lyrically. Uh, the comfortably numb thing bugs me so yeah. much. It reminds me of that firehouse when they did Love of a Lifetime, and then when I look into look into your eyes or something like that. Oh no! Just, oh, no. I, I don't know how many you're, fans you're out. I don't know how many. You're you're getting fans out there know about that because it's the same song. It's the same song. You're getting into dangerous territory here. Trash in the firehouse ballots. It's the same song, but an inferior version of it. Don't do it. Inferior version of it. Why would I listen to this when I can listen to Comfortably Numb? Yeah, I'm not going to. Or 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 Firehouse for that matter. It just feels like uh, we need to write another comfortably numb guys. Okay, you know, let's get the orchestra together. Oh, what that pattern was good. Okay, great. Dave throwing a solo here. Okay, that's pretty good. All right, let's call it a day. Gets the Uh, T. All right, Mark. Well, you know Uh, what? I like this song better than comfortably numb. I don't care. Like I I said at the beginning, (laughs) and I don't care. You know, I love Mark's uh, hot takes. They're great. uh, Fine. (laughs) I mean, I just don't like the hits on the wall. I just heard them too many times. I don't think his Mm -hmm. tone is clear. Uh, in the comfortably numb solo enough. I mean, I think that. I mean, uh, who is the producer? Bob Ezrin, right? Was was producing yeah. that? I, like, I don't know. I, I feel like the 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 work is better Roger here in the studio. Doesn't say cut. I know. It's true. Yeah, delivery uncomfortably <laughs> numb is brilliant, and Dave sings on that song. Like Pink Floyd does have another singer, like, and he sings on that song and plays guitar. 
It's 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 a beautiful thing when both happen at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I I'm not saying it gets a buy, but it just the solo is how could I don't know I don't know how you can terminate that solo because we heard it before. I know you're not going to get a whole lot of variation with Dave, but I don't know. I, I just it's 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 uh. It's okay. I don't you don't know. have to explain yourself. You can terminate something so so <laughs> lyrical. Like so, like, we, like, like we Dave just comes times. in and just sort of searing guitar solo. As Cup soon tea, as I heard, goodbye. as soon as I heard, comfortably numb. I'm like reject wall, reject wall. It's just the alarm bells go off. <laughs> Like, like it's just that the red alert is going. It's like, this is just a reject song. Well, I don't want your album full of reject songs. I cannot songs. wait. Uh, I hope we never do a I, firehouse discography, but I will be terminating I, I, every one of those ballads. I, 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 I do not want. Let's not I don't do it want, then. Let's not do it then. I don't want the donuts that have been sitting there since <laughs> eight in the morning. I don't want the fries that have been sitting there since lunchtime. And I don't want your reject wall songs. Get yeah. it out of here. Dave, Dave would, Dave would agree. <laughs> Those fries are a little spicier. I mean, they did this before, didn't they? Didn't, they, didn't Piper have the same uh, ending, or didn't Saucerful have the same ending, pretty much? Um, yeah, Jug Band Blues and uh, Bike, wasn't it? Biko or not Biko? Bike. Yeah, they were kind of like the same type of ending, but it's like let's just do this one again. So they're not. Yeah, you, to it. I mean, you look, remember my percentage of albums. Pink Floyd love uh, during that too, especially Bike. God, that was a terrible song. Jug Band <laughs> Blues to the Kazoo. The Kazoo. I'm getting flashbacks here. Oh man. Maybe it's, remember- maybe it's time we move on over to track eleven. Not now, John. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this uh, a love, even though, again, it has that kind of Young Lust vibe. It's still, it's, it's Dave, he, and I, I, I like Dave, so I'm going to give it a love. Yeah, Scott? <laughs> Scott? Yeah, this is a buy, because the, the album definitely needed David on this one, so I, I would give it a buy for sure. Yep. Yeah, I was originally thinking that, because if anything, it seems like it's a little bit more, uh, like everybody's involved here. And I will agree if you're if you're not a big fan of the music, which I will say I'm I'm not. It's nice to have this at the end here, so I'll give it a strong love, mm-hmm. uh, Kev. All right, I'm going to give it a strong love as well. It's nice to have this. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I wait. Let me. And I shouldn't say I, I don't like the music on here. It's more I don't like the slower pacing for ninety percent of the album. So let me correct yeah. that. But Mark. Okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering why it's so deep on the album. Like, there was nothing about the concept that could have been rearranged to bring this up a little higher. Kind of reminds me of the Face to Face album that we covered, where, Chris, that took you until the very, 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 very end, (laughs) until you're like, finally! What was that song? God is a Man? Yeah, Yeah. God. What a tune! And that's why I I feel like I can almost kind of sympathize with Scott here, because, like, this album sounds like it's the Ignorance is Bliss for him. It's yeah. where it, it's like oh, yeah. that. It's like you're so you're such a big Pink Floyd fan, and you've probably listened to all the stuff so much that you start kind of appreciating the more uh, underdog albums. So I, I I can respect that, and that's how it was for that. And obviously, most of you guys trash that. So like I, I get it. <laughs> I, I I feel for Scott here. I guess so. Not that it's judging my uh, decisions or anything, but like I get where you're coming from. So. All right, let's move it on to the final song on the album, Two Sons in the Sunset, Chris. Uh, oh, saxophones and a nuclear blast. Yeah, how, what's not to love? <laughs> yeah, he, I'm going to give it a big love. <laughs> and, and, and the lyrics at the end, yeah, just like, okay, he, again, going into graphic Roger territory, like, okay, the charred remains of civilization. So, yeah. All right, All right. Scott? I was going to give it a love, but I know that I have to use a terminate, so I think it's it's only good to use it on this song because there's a nuclear explosion <laughs> in it. So. 
Today is the cleverest way out of getting out of a T, a forced T that I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. uh, the only comment I had on this whole song all week in... I don't know, maybe I was just a little burnt out at this point, but all I wrote was great sax. So in that case, I don't know if it's good enough to give it the love, so I'll have to give it the flush. I'm sorry. (laughs) Even though though I should go back and give it another listen, I'll admit that. But uh, Kev? Uh, Sax one does not save this one for me, so it's no surprise. (laughs) All right, Mark. Final opinion. Final solution. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm bordering on the edge of. Uh, well, I mean, the whole Nick Mason thing just bugs me. It's just so lazy. Like, just it's just. I don't mean to rant about it two hours deep into a show, but the fact that you cannot hit the sticks, get behind. The, the, the kit and just practice a bit like how hard is this song that a guest drummer needs to be brought on it like it, it's just unbelievable I, I don't get it um but i do love a wailing saxophone and i think the yeah. imagery the contact that dr strange love imagery or inspired imagery is just so good um i don't know what to do with this one like i feel like the whole album kind of teeters on my treatment of this song don't take too long because i'm going to decide for you in about two seconds <laughs> give I it a love yeah, keep, keep it. kevin doesn't know what he's talking about on this album so you know what he gets a love <laughs> get your hand away from the flush button yeah it's, it's 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 a decent album it really is like it's just not it yeah i mean i, I who might have closed this one out but i mean it, it really isn't a uh um well, I, th- I, I think know, like, slow and sleepy. I, I think it's fine. I, I, it's Pink Floyd. It's not Iron Maiden. I, I, th- I, th- I think that I think that is a perfect segue into are we changing our ratings? Uh, I think I'm going to boost mine a half point, uh, seven point five. I kind of appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, I am is, also yeah. going to go up a half point too. There just is more. Maybe it is just Kevin playing the good parts from each song. Um, I, I don't know. Like you know, I, I don't know. You got to be in a good mindset to allow yourself to be brought down by this album um but yeah seven just for how pointed some of these songs can be and how he set out to make this concept and he delivered regardless of he whether he left the band behind it's not like he said we're gonna go in this direction and he just made a mess of it um so you know that's happened before too so you know at least that didn't happen here so um you know props to him for executing the concept and there are some very strong musical bits that i will go back to at least in terms of dave solo so that at least deserves a seven yeah, I'll bump mine up a half point to six point five. I, I used my, uh, my my calculations, and I liked. I'd say I loved eight of the twelve songs. That brings me about to a six point five, six and a half. Kev, okay. Kev, <laughs> Kev, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Three. Uh, oh, no. We didn't sell them. No, you went backwards. In fact, in we fact, were, I, we I were like better this. off just not saying anything at all. I, yeah, I like this last. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. It's, it's just something about me that I, this this whole thing is just. It, I'm just annoyed at the end of this. I'm just annoyed. All right. Well, well Scott, did uh, Kevin sway you at all? <laughs> you still ten ten? He he did. He actually did. I'm gonna actually change my score. I'm gonna take the seven that he didn't use and add it. Seventeen out of ten. So that's for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Scott, I will say you did flush two songs, yeah. which for a ten a ten, you didn't have to flush the second one. 
Right. Like, I see. What you're I, saying. I get All it. Right, like well, I get those I songs that they were universally flushed and yeah. were terminated. So uh, right. yeah, just skip the end of the uh, A side and get in the middle of the B side because it doesn't really seem like there was much added there. <laughs> uh, and the thirty seconds that best represent this album, uh, I think we'll just leave Kevin out of the discussion with this one. <laughs> um, but uh, Scott, what's your what's your what what do you think? Uh, what do you think represents this album for you? Like what I mean, you 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 sing these, you know, you perform these. Like what to you represents the best thirty seconds of this album? And, and bear in mind, this is going to open the podcast, so. For me, Fletcher Memorial Home with the piano and the guitar solo, especially heading into that, is what really what makes the final cut shine. I think it's a universal idea that everyone does love this as well, and I think the fact that everyone loves it is, is shows that the song was successful in the minds of people who listen to it. So I think that the guitar solo is, is one of my favorite things for sure, and I think that defines uh, the final cut. It's where do you end this one though? Because it's it's like it's just at the, why don't you just do like the solo? I guess right. Just just start from the solo and like let it just end where the solo goes. Because I, I don't know how long the solo is. Thirty seconds, forty yeah. seconds. I mean, okay, I could see that. I'm gonna throw in uh, the Gunner's Dream in the end of that. We cannot just write off his final scene Take heed of the dream I don't know, I love that. I love that. I kind of agree with that, because again, it kind of gives the audience a feel for what we're going to, or as far as the concept itself, and it does fit in. I mean, yeah, just that whether you like that ballady or orchestral stuff or not, yeah, it does kind of fit with the feel of the record. So yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I, I can jump on board with that. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. If anything, I was probably going to pick something maybe from Heroes, uh, just because, I don't know, it seemed like musically it kind of covered all the ground, but I guess lyrically I'm not sure. It does seem like Fletcher Memorial maybe is, would you say, is maybe the m- more popular song on the album? Because that one did end up on like the box or like the greatest hits, right? Or am I wrong in that? In the track, is that like on a greatest hits or anything like that? That song? I'm not sure, but Fletcher definitely sums up the concept of the album. Yeah, I think at its at its harshest. Right. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe this is where Kevin comes in. And- yeah, I guess he's gonna have to come I with his three ten rating and make the decision. <laughs> Please let me go to bed. <laughs> if, if, if anything, musically, could Kev comment on like what he thinks kind of. No. Touches on everything. <laughs> Actually, I, I I am leaning towards the Gunner's Dream on this. Um, in terms of the 30 seconds that, that we heard that Mark played there between the two, um, the solo is good, but I don't want people to get amped up for the solo um, with this <laughs> album. But the Gunner's Dream, that, that ending does kind of summarize 
this album in a way. It, it gives you a good taste of what's to come. And it's so not I, just Roger crooning on the piano. It's Roger with the E piano too that there's a little there's a little i love that electric piano (laughs) it's so good it's i don't know like it just so uh scott that it just reminds me so much of day of the dead and and uh john harrison and that those synthy electric pianos (laughs) same it's around the same time yeah yeah yep so i guess where are we with this one then are we going gunner's dream yeah i think so i think that's fair yeah okay Mm mm-hmm all right, that's our episode. Uh, the final cut with Say Goodbye to Roger because we are moving on to a Pink Floyd that has been taken uh, away from him, I suppose, uh, legally. But uh, we won't be getting into that. We'll be getting into A Momentary Lapse of Reason, the 1987 album that did not even make it to number one because it was such a monster year for uh, music. That's for sure. Can't wait for 80s Pink Floyd. But before we get there, uh, Alex, you'd like to mention a few fan feedback that we've been getting. We like to stick this at the end just to make sure everyone's still listening. But uh, yeah, Alex, seems like we can get some <laughs> comments uh, this week that have been uh, quite positive for a change. Nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, we got we got two. Uh, one from uh, Hesco182 who's been following the show for quite some time. Uh, he commented on the wall. He said, uh, just finished the episode and boy, oh boy, was it a doozy. First first and foremost, and this is funny because this is kind of what we were going for, but first and foremost, let me start off by saying I've never been more offended in my life than when I heard the episode start with Bring the Boys Back Home, especially considering In the Flesh ending was brought up later in the episode. Either way, he dug it, and it gave him St. Anger episode vibes, and that's what he loved most, so keep it up. And then, uh, uh, of course, Jason Forrest on Twitter enjoyed it uh, quite a bit as well and enjoyed the uh the shout out so yeah we, we appreciate the feedback on it and i do know that there was some uh feedback uh from one listener on reddit kind of about this album actually because he said uh you know you guys should really maybe explore more of the uh lyrical concepts on this album because a lot of these songs are reject songs and if you guys just kind of approach it as like musically like yes it's gonna get shit on so uh, he he just felt that the, the album is a lot more interesting uh, lyrically, and maybe that's the way we should approach it. So I, I try to do that a little bit, but um, yeah, good feedback. Sure. I like it. Yeah, appreciate it. Keep it coming. We've got a couple emails this week, interesting concepts, talking about uh, really the right way to listen to Pink Floyd and quadraphonic sound. Appreciate that because uh, it's a setup that I've always kind of enjoyed. Even if they didn't release these albums as such, it might be interesting to experience them considering how they really use the studio as an instrument and how they put together the entire, you know, the entire uh, sound experience, uh, you know, at all four corners. So, yeah, we'll be moving on next week. And thanks again, Scott, for uh, hopping on our show and talking Pink Floyd with us. And definitely check out uh, Us and Floyd, Long Island-based uh, Pink Floyd cover band with Scott on vocals. They've got some great videos on YouTube, and they really put together a great show. So check that out if you're looking for more Floyd-related stuff. And hopefully once, uh, um, you know, COVID and everything, everybody's able to start playing again, you guys will be out live again, and people can see you uh, see you live. So So, yeah, um, thanks again, and we will see you next time on a momentary lapse of reason. Mm -hmm.